is the podcast to the show. You can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Hello and welcome back, everyone. We are doing, we are the TedCast, and we are doing a deep dive podcast on, uh, this is Ted Lasso Season 3, Episode 7, Part 2, The Strings That Bind Us. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We're very, very excited that you found us. Uh, we did Part 1. Uh, as the last episode, if you want to do that and catch the the full uh, review of this episode. And if you don't need that, we're, we're so excited to have you here uh, to just uh, hang out as we go through this. I am Coach Castleton, and with me as always is Coach Bishop, Thank back from the dead, thankfully. Welcome back, Coach Bishop. Total podcasting. <laughs> that's good that's it that this is see this we've been headed here for three seasons coach here it you know? is here it is total Fully podcast realized that's it we don't need the dutch for that no um way. and and with us as always is our boss the lovely and talented and and slightly uh diseased emily chambers Slightly is nice. Also, I was going to make a joke about how I'm now proudly displaying my vibrators on my bedside. And then I remembered my little sister listens to the podcast. She's talked to me about it. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ellen. I shouldn't have done that. And I apologize. But Co- Coach, I, I did a little version of you. You were you unfortunately <laughs> missed. You missed that little entrance uh, yes. la- last episode, but why don't you pick it up from there? And had you been here, what would you have said about Coach Beard talking about his mom proudly displaying, displaying her vibrators on the um, on the nightstand? Well, it was a mind split open moment for me because first, so we already know she got the QAnon going on, right? So I'm all for this woman's liberation, but that's a lot of crazy. Like I feel like you got to like make some choices. Like you could be the QAnon bomb, or you can be the fucking vibrator on the nightstand. Bomb. To be both those bombs, <laughs> that's a lot to put on your child. Like that's a lot. That's a lot for a child to have to deal with. But, but for me, what was great was you. I knew because I did. Every human, uh, most of us having come from a woman, as Tupac reminded us. Uh, most of us having come from a woman know that at some point this woman, as wonderful, as sweet, as caring, as loving, as absolutely borderline angelic as she is, at some point was doing some fucking. Like there's just no getting around that. There's one guy in the history who's even tried to make the fucking argument that that wasn't true for him. Some dispute it. We're not going to get into that today. But the but he wait who was that? Jesus uh, Christ! No, yeah, really, Jesus it was Jesus Christ. Christ. No, literally, Jesus I don't need Christ, you yeah. to yell at me. Can you just give me the guy's name? <laughs> there you go. I mean, Jesus effing Christ! Uh huh. Okay, this is really violent. I don't know why you're. I don't understand why you're getting yeah. so upset. No, but but so I just love the idea of. You know, here's this here, this poor woman who, by the way, did not ask her son. To make this a part of his goddamn Newt Rockney speech over here, and, but just I, <laughs> really, how how'd you get from total football to my vibrator asshole? But but I just thought it was great that this was to your vibrator <laughs> asshole. 
asshole. Oh hey. no, that's an entirely different thing. Oh my god, what are we? What are we like a minute into the recording, and the two of you right away? <laughs> it's just just unacceptable in a in a corporate environment. Oh. Uh, all right. Well, yes, you're right. No, no, it was, it's it was amazing. Rich. It was rich. It's a. It's amazing what what knocks around in your head. The little things motivate. I, someday we're going to be able to just have a, a printout. Uh, I always hope that that's what you get when you die. Is that you go to a place where they have they tell you every answer. You go, okay, listen. Why did I do that? How come I always did this? Mm. Oh, well, it's because you did that. How come I, my feet were always cold? Oh, that was your genetics from your great uncle Albert. Oh, thank you. Jesus. Right. You know what that I mean? That was what? so weird. What? Right. Yeah. Why, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Um, but uh, yeah, it's amazing that in the middle of that speech, Beard has a reference to his mom's vibrator and what must be knocking around in that, that yeah. sage head of his. Um but, Fascinating and, stuff. But I do want to toss this in, and I know we, we we're moving, we're moving. But I thought it was it was cool, also though, in that that is beard, and so like as much as it was totally insane to bring that up and blah blah blah, it to me it was like it it, it was a dramatic choice of the kind of joke I'm always saying that I love where it's like, you know, people say I'm condescending. That's when you talk down to people. Like it was right. It was a version of that. It was like, bring your whole self to work, which by the way, Daphne and I have that debate. I don't know, three, three to five times a year. Daphne's take is what the fuck are you talking about? Bring your efficiency and your competence to work. The rest of you can really fuck off. And and mine, I'm like, oh, the, oh no, like, we've got to bring the whole self to work. Like so, it's like her react. My reaction to that is like, hey, you bring your whole self. Sometimes vibrators get mentioned, and she would be like, he's fired. You're fired for not firing him. Everybody's fucking fired. <laughs> <laughs> Boss oh. almost sprained her neck, nodding with death. <laughs> it's you, true. you wonder when they met for the first time. <laughs> oh my we were, god! Guys, for those of you who don't know, we recorded for two years before we uh, before uh, coach uh, coach's wife Daphne and Boss met in person, and they basically shunted Coach to the side and then and then palled around. Um, that is literally true. At at the table, Daphne and I were sitting next to each other and talking. And coach was off yeah. to the side. It yeah. pushed no. to the edges. I was mm-hmm. doing like margarita runs. Like it was not, <laughs> it wasn't great for me. It wasn't, it wasn't a great, it wasn't great. <laughs> it, it, it actually makes a lot of sense because we're Juliana on this call. And, and you said that coach, oh, hey, bring your efficiency to work. Bring your, you know, bring your discipline and your organization Whatever that Juliana would have been like nodding along with with boss and like yes, whereas you and me are like bring everything, yeah, bring no, the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah, let's make yeah. a mess. Let's let the fact that there's a part of me that legitimately thinks let's make a mess is 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 a is an approach like that like that that eliminates me from a lot of things Daphne wants to get done. Like well, right that also it, doesn't that sort of. Yeah. You know, and we'll get into it, but that feels a little bit like season one, Ted Lasso, like, all right, let's get drunk and see what happens. 
Uh, that's yes. you know, like let's let's yes. Daphne you know what I mean? would and, have and discouraged the shit out of that. Of course, of course. So Juliana, yeah. and then also. Um, although boss wouldn't, boss would have been like, no, no, she would have been like, good. Oh, yeah, oh no, no, yeah. no. I'm that's like, where that's the, yeah, that's the Venn diagram. But, 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 um, also it feels a lot like number four this season. Um, you know, leaving space for God to walk in. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing. Um, so, so anyway, let's make a mess is fun. I don't know if I've ever heard you say that, but I really like it. I, yeah, I feel like it, that should be, it's, it, like, yeah, it's of, not like a phrase. motto. It's not a phrase I use, but it is a, it is a, like when I'm really like, all right, we're going for it now. That is my state. Like when I'm like, all right, I'm really creating. I literally sometimes, literally, often literally make a mess. Like I will look up after a project is done and I'll literally have like two days of old laundry. Like I did, like the clothes just didn't make it to the hamper. Like I, I managed to change because I was going to be around other humans. And I know there are rules, but that was as far as I could take it. Like, otherwise I was consumed by this, you know, this scene that I had to figure out how to write. It's, 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 it's bizarre. It's bizarre stuff. Yeah, no, I love it. Let's Jackson Pollock get the fuck up. That's Um, right. That's right. Right. And see what happens. Maybe it'll make some sort of sense. Um, Well, coach, without you last uh, episode, we had the uh, wonderful John Brown Spires from from the Antagonist blog. He'd be great. Um, And um, we got as far as um, the scene where uh, uh, Barbara, you know, goes through the Sense and Sensibility book, talks about how she had a warm yogurt on the tube in her her pajamas. And we were just about to cut to Nate at his desk. at West Ham. So, uh, boss, why don't we pick it up from there and tell us what, you know, it starts out with basically him alone in his, in his office, which I always go, God damn. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like where is Disco's office? Yeah. Right. What is, what is Disco doing right now that he and Nate would not be conversing about the team? I, I like Disco. I, I really enjoyed Disco. I'm like, I had a good read on Disco. And, and remember, uh, let's see if you guys, I'm sure you remember this. I know Coach remembers this because we we joked, like this is one of the very first things we talked about with the show. Way, way back when I first called him and said, you got to watch this. We always said like, oh, if we, we coached anything together, uh, which we always have wanted to because he's got a defensive mind and I have an offensive mind. Um What's the first thing Coach and Beard did with their office coach that we, we really liked? When they pushed those desks together, I was like, oh, oh I didn't know yep. there was porn involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nate doesn't have that. And we're going we're gonna to see a lot of that. So he gets a text. He's typing on his computer and he gets a text. And walk us through this, uh, boss. So the text is from his mom. Uh, a couple... T- texts before uh she says something about cheeky the internet is out and he says mom it's unplugged i don't know what joke that was but i like that they're at least staying in contact um and that his nickname is cheeky yes yes i do like that um even though i have feelings on nate that are maybe not that nice i like that somebody's being nice to him why would you have feelings on Nate that are not that nice? I mean, no what? idea, no idea, no idea, just, right? Yeah, it came out of nowhere. It's just a read. <laughs> just sometimes I get a read on people, real, and I'm like, this real this one's subtle. Not great. Can't yeah. quite place it. All right, it's not the hair, that's for sure. 
No. Uh, so his mom, one of my favorite things on, um, I've mentioned Brooklyn Nine-Nine before, I think, on here. And even though I've also mentioned I'm in general against Copaganda, there are elements of the show that I like enough that I do watch it. Uh, one of my favorite things is uh, Captain Raymond Holt signing all of his texts, comma, Captain Raymond Holt. So I like that on here, yes. Yes. she addresses it, hello, my busy boy, comma. Like, you know who it's from and who it's to. It's a, it's a text to your cell phone, but she still does address it. Hello, my busy boy. Don't forget your sister's birthday tomorrow, 7 p.m. And he responds, let's do Taste of Athens, my treat. Which is, I will admit, Nate, a nice thing to do. You're making uh, Coach's Bank now. It's good of you to take your family out to dinner. She instead says, I'm cooking. Please don't be late. You know how your father gets. Two emojis, which I believe were the angry and then just a dude emoji. Like, face we know who palm, you're talking about. Oh, is that facepalm? Yeah. I I actually don't use emojis that often unless I'm uh, taunting Coach Castleton. So I'm Bless not familiar. I'm not that familiar with them. I felt like an asshole. Somebody texted me a while back the uh, drama faces, like the the uh, drama yeah, and the comedy com- Comedy ones. and tragedy, yeah. Bingo, exactly. And it, number one, it was late. And I might have been a little bit stoned. And number two, didn't have my cheaters on. So I'm like with my phone trying to get it close or far enough away that I could decipher what they were talking about. And finally, I was like, you just just use a word, whatever word it is that you're supposed to be doing there. Just use that word because I can't figure this out right now. That's funny. I, I speaking of making a mess, I would be open to all text messaging being driven by gifts. I, I would be totally open to it <laughs> i think gift communication via social media is some of the highlights of my day when when i find the perfect gift it's like it's not just that i found the perfect thing to say i found the perfect way to say it like i just it it just grabs so much but uh some some among us are not G- gifts no no oh, gifts, yo, gifts yes. are okay okay oh so no, just... no yeah no no oh no no oh, okay. i love gifts. no no all, okay. all for it oh, usually okay. because because there's there, there's something behind it. So like you get a gift from one of your favorite movies or your favorite shows. And Got like, it. if it's Jake, Jake Peralta doing something and you know, the scene, you go, okay, yeah, yeah. I know what that is. Like one of my favorite gifts ever is uh, as a new England Patriots fan is, is Bart Scott going, can't wait. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I'm like all for it. And uh, I use it all the time, you know? So it's like, yeah, no, no, no. Gift gifts are to, fantastic. To, to- because you know you got to have a button on the Brooklyn Nine Nine uh, gifts uh, theme, because that's a thing. No, but the, the, one of my favorites actually is uh, where you know people say they're going to steal your gift, and there's one of Peralta saying to the coroner because I watched the show enough to remember this episode saying you cannot steal what is a gift. What is a gift? Oh, and oh so God. when people say they're going to steal your gift. <laughs> If you can come right back with that, it's a killer. It, it crushes it crushes the virtual room. Crushes the virtual room. I know it hurts, coach, but you can't argue with results. Oh, boy, I don't like that. Um so so Nate, uh Nathan, um I by the way, do you notice in the show doc I still haven't just called him Nate yet. I still haven't gotten to the point. That Jamie Lee and and the various uh uh, Phoebe Walsh, they're working on me. They're trying to make me call him Nate again. 
in our show doc, but I haven't. He's still Nathan. What does he say, boss? Hey, Siri. Yeah, and this is interesting. And she says, yes, Wonderkind. Oh, I mean, okay. You, we can yeah. just, we can just like, we don't even have to say it. We can just let it, Ugh. let that roll over the listening audience. Ugh. And they, we all know everybody in the world, <laughs> every, everybody in the world groans and goes, are you for fucking real, man? He's still on that. He's still on it. He's one of the hottest uh, managers out there. He's this, he's that, he's got the car, he's got the duh, he's got the headlines. He's, he, what, what else What else would he need to let that go? And, and by the way, that, his need to have Siri continue that lie compared to uh, the way Jamie responded to being mocked in the group during the total football, um, during the total football uh, explanation, is everything about how they went in different directions. Yes. And Nathan is Absolutely. on the wrong road, and Jamie is on the right road. And as much as I've defended everything up to and including the Christmas episode, which I feel like gives me a level of Ted Lasso credibility that is off the fucking charts. This Nate situation is driving me goddamn nuts. How is this earned? What happened? Why is he nice? What the fuck's going on? Is is there going to be an actual thing that happens? Or are we just like to intuit that somebody's been sneaking shit into his uh, morning tea? What 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 is the story with him and this woman? Does anyone have anything for me? What? What? I mean, he's you're nice, have... Nate. Now, why? What happened? No, you're gonna. Have I needed to look somewhere something. Else. It's not me. I needed something. I needed him to have to save a puppy or some shit, like something. God damn! Like he just started Wait, I, being I, nice again. Okay, okay. So, Coach, I want to make sure I'm clear about what you're saying. Are you saying you're curious as to how the pivot happened with Nate, or are you saying that you are curious I, about? why jade is causing a pivot or something like that i'm curious about both those things but mostly i feel like i wasn't given a pivot and i was expected to just follow on that one and i and and i feel like i'm in every position to say it because i have followed and continue to follow and have a whole screed that's developing my in my head around how all fans of ted lasso should just trust should should slap that yellow sign in their heart and just believe in this writer's room and Ted Lasso and the mission we have all been on for years but this Nate thing is too far I don't I don't understand what happened I I do not show me a, a scene with him and his niece something Jesus I don't get it this is this is his Christmas episode, boss. You believe oh, it? It's it only took me like nuts. An, a full season. <laughs> no, and actually, it's I'm a little bit worried, Castleton, about your sanity because if both Coach and I are feeling like, what the hell are we doing with Nate, and where are we going, and how did we get there? Which, because I'm on his page, I'm a little bit worried what that's going to do to you, being smushed between us. 
Yeah. Oh, this is the first first time you've had first that time, thought, huh? First time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would also very much like to mention that the uh, Hey Siri, Hey Wonderkind is the opposite for me of I'm You're the Worst when Lindsay talks to her phone and says, Hey Siri, and Siri says back, Yes, sex goddess Lindsay 69. I'm like, girl, this is why we would be best friends in real life, because that's what you make oh, your phone call I, you. I, I roared funny. when I heard that in that show. Yeah, yeah, I laughed my ass. That was so, uh, so good. I haven't watched I, it, but that is very funny. Oh, my God. I immediately went to my phone and tried it's to check if I could show. change my name. It's a white people show. There's a lot of white nonsense. Um, Correct. Yeah, no, it's... it's <laughs> See what? The, well, the audience is probably gathered by uh, you know three three years of us uh, going back and forth. But there's a level of uh, racial transparency that Coach gets from me it, it, that that yes, not yes. very white people do. And it's not even like oh, I don't like you. It's just like that takes a long fucking time to get there, man. So yeah, yeah. so he knows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a that's a lot of trust, man. So like yep. so 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 yeah, coach knows when I'm gonna be like, all right, y'all have crossed over. Like I do my best, but I this is what you want me to do. <laughs> I, I actually do I have nothing to say about this and I am very confused. <laughs> I love you, don't get me wrong, but I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not boy, saying I don't love you. But I, y'all gonna have to run across a... this field ne- naked without me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. We're gonna do. We're gonna put it in a movie someday. I love the 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 that picture of you and your friends at Yale, just Every watching year. white 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 students streak by, just silently <laughs> just shaking your. You're doing it again, huh? Uh, great uh, okay. stuff. So so yeah, Nathan. Um, I think the show wants us to believe that the moment where. Jade finally relented and had Baklava with him, uh, gave him some sort of emotional breakthrough to be himself. Because in that moment, he had he had opened up, and you know the Baklava is divine, and you know she she heard him be that person. And we've sort of we were very confused about about Jade, um, and I think we have come to find that she's a little bit of a uh, kind of a. What's the term? She's a she's a troublemaker. She's a little bit of a shit talker. Silently though, like the, the yes. you know she has she has a little edge and a little she's a, she's she finds some sort of enjoyment out of awkwardness and weirdness a little bit more than we had known. She doesn't show anything in her face, but even when Nate he does the thing where he waves in the beginning of this episode and she's like me or or the bus boy, you know, like. There's that thing. And then you go, oh, oh, oh. So when he came in with the model and she's like, right this way, she knew exactly what it wasn't just what she's like, I am fucking with you. I, okay, Jason Jelly. I know your name is Nathan Shelley, but I'm going to call you Jason Jelly because I'm fucking with you. So, but, but she's so subtle about it um, that it was hard to pick up. At least that's my read. I could be totally wrong, but that's how I'm reading Jade. And then I'll say that it's a little bit of a cop out. And they do this with with Jane too a little bit. Unfortunately, this is just again my take. Um, we we get the result of the of or or like the resultant development based on the action. So Beard goes out with Jane, and or Beard has a thing with Jane, but we don't get 
they're they're very careful about not making us privy to that. They don't give us the inside. We don't see a date with Beard and Jane. Typically, here and there, a little bit, you know, Beard after hours, a little bit at the okay, that's the hottest thing ever when you know when she's toying with you or whatever. Like all that, we get a little tastes the same way we get tastes of of Nate uh, and Jade. But what we don't get is seeing that relationship happen in the same way, like a Sam and Rebecca or a Keely and a Roy, right? And so we are forced to just say, okay, I accept the take that the development of that is that Nate has softened somehow. But we, they didn't show it's, they just show us the, oh, Nate, you know, was outside the, the, the shot of Nate and Jade talking was outside the restaurant. You see them talking. They're clearly having an in-depth conversation. They're both laughing or whatever, but they don't, they don't let you see it. And, and I go, mm, that's a, that's a little bit of a cop out that I don't, I don't love. And, and here's the thing. I want to make it really clear. We've spent some time. Um, I'm debating about whether to post. We had an uh, internal uh, writer's room for our, our blog and we have been just the barrage of, of complaints about uh, certain elements of, of season three combined with certain elements of season two. Uh, and coach and I tend to field, field the, you know, we're, we're sort of on the pro uh, Ted Lasso bandwagon and trying to explain away the, the questions, but it's okay. Listen, this is, I still think that it's a masterpiece but th- that doesn't mean it's perfect. Nobody's perfect. No show is perfect. No writer's perfect. So there are going to be times where we, you know, say, oh, man, this hadn't, hasn't been done as, as well as we would like, or we would have preferred that had this done a, been done a different way. That doesn't diminish the show. It just, you know, makes us curious and, and open to consideration. I love that you just said that. And I just had a thought that I would not have connected had you not set it up that way. Ted Lasso is art. I've done some work where uh, some people may be uh, familiar with Seth Godin. He does a lot of work around marketing, business, but he's sort of like just a, 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 he's kind of an iconoclast kind of a guy, you know, like he just thinks of things differently and presents them differently. And one of his things that really has just sort of, sometimes somebody says something to me and it just kind of feels like it's following me around. Like I'm not fully on it yet but like i know that's some shit i need to keep in mind and he talked about how we should be making art like just the power of that that that's how we should be thinking about it and like as if if you are in charge of creating the schedule at the you know at the burger king like can you do that masterfully can you do that in a way that you know, keeps in mind that Thor has to go take care of his grandmother at Wednesday at three and that Emily, right? Like, can you create art? Can you do things and show up in a way that says like, I am presenting this. Like I haven't just like bare minimum or whatever. I am bringing, I am bringing a quality that Orlando did it. Like anybody could have done it, but if Orlando did it, you're going to get this. And I feel like Ted Lasso is art. So in the same way that I think the brilliance of, I'm looking up because I love Salvador Dali, so I have one of his prints here, but that I, I could totally see somebody looking at my favorite image like that in the world, which is the persistence of memory, which is what I have here over my monitor, and going, they're melted clocks. You've been talking about this shit since high school. 
their melted fucking clocks shut up already. But they're not just melted clocks for me. Like I was walking through the Museum of Modern Art in New York at 16, I guess, or whatever the fuck the age I was, and got stopped in my tracks. Like, I had to run through part of the Museum of Modern Art to catch up to the rest of my class because moment the, the, the moment was frozen in that image and the moment was frozen for me. I didn't know then and I couldn't tell you now how fucking long I was standing there staring at a painting that Salvador Dali had created I don't know how long before. But I'm sure there are people who look at that and say, I could not give less of a shit. I say all that because I think there's going to be a lot of stuff down the stretch here that we're going to have very different reactions to. And that's because they're making art. They are making choices. They are pushing. They are saying, I'm going to do a diagram for you of the triangle in the middle of talking about triangles. Excuse me. There's going to be a visual of Wooden's Pyramid of Success right in your face. While we're talking yep. about, right? Like, they're just like, yep. we are doing it. Love it or don't. We're going to give you Sade and we're going to give you Diamond Dogs. <laughs> we are fucking, this is some tapestry shit, baby. Get into it or don't. But that's, so I, I think it's going to be a lot of moments for us for, to all say that, why is the brush stroke like that? Because that's the way the master moved their hand. I love that. I love it. And you're right, coach. And, you know, people, different people are going to see different things. I took my dad, I, who I mentioned was, we didn't know was on the spectrum, but he was on the spectrum. And interesting to be raised by someone that rigid because he had no, no ability to see the subtlety or whatever. And I took him, uh, he was, got by then he was probably in his mid seventies. Uh, uh, we were in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I took him to the Dolly Museum down there. And I showed him this painting, one of my favorite Dolly paintings, which is um, they show the Dolly took a painting of a ship. There's a, a naval ship, you know, a tall ship, uh, you know, um, an old, old timey, you know, uh, boat with, with, you know, sail sailing vessel and, you know, three masts and it's cresting a huge wave. And that's the original painting. And then Dolly took that painting and he painted Poseidon coming up out of the water and pushing the ship up. And I was like, look at that. Just look at that. He looked at that boat, you know, that, that really boring sort of regular picture. And then he was like, no, no, I see Poseidon coming up. Like, this is what actually is happening. Right. And it, and it just, I just love it. And my dad's like, that's a waste of a perfectly good painting of a boat. <laughs> I'm like, like, what? What? So, and that's a real thing. So you just go, yeah. okay, all right, like, oh all right. God. We all see, oh we all God. see the, <laughs> we all see like, the world differently. Like basically, Dolly is a, a just a fucking fancy graffiti artist. Yes. Oh yes. God, yeah. yeah. Not even that, fancy. Just, that's just stay away from my boats. <laughs> um, so yeah, so yes, we're all gonna everyone everyone in the listening audience is gonna come at Nate differently. Some people are gonna say, no, I'm not gonna I'm not with this line because I remember what he did to Colin and I'm there's no road back from that, right? Some people are gonna say, Okay, shit, I thought I was there, but the, they're really writing him very well this season, and at least it's softening me up to him. Um coach, we spoke last time uh when you were sick about how I thought uh Nick Muhammad is 
superstar. We all thought that, but that he has shown a different smile this season. His smile is different than it has. Even when he was happy in season one, it wasn't this smile. He's really has this beautiful, huge smile. Um, and so there's the, there's the people that say, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't care about Nate. I'm never going to forgive him. There's people that are against their will going to forgive Nate. Um, and there are people that who, who uh, are with the writers and with Ted who say, yes, it's important to have a road back. It's important, no matter who the person is, no matter what they've done to you, you keep the road, the way open so that there's a road back if it's somebody you care about. Um, and so, uh, we, yeah, I, this, I, this I'm with where... you on that. I think I think you're dead on about that in terms of the, the 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 physics of the show. And by the way, I am dying to forgive me. You want to see a grown man cry? Stick this fucking land. Is that right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. You can always make... There's someone, and I'm not going to be specific because that's between us, but there's somebody, a family member of mine, who just was way out of fucking line. Like, there was no, there was no like, oh, well, uh, let's all think about whether that was out of line. They were out of line. And I got really pissed and said so. And, you know in no uncertain terms and it was a long silence and literally the person sent a text and said yeah i've been thinking about it i'm really sorry about that like i think i that may not have been a perfect uh, quote but it was essentially what i got and i was like all right yeah I, yeah we, we know go back a long way said, yeah just, we let, just know. fucking let it go man but i'm good coach now. grandpa simpson we know this story this is like the fourth <laughs> time you told us this. We can tell you this story, Coach. No, because because this is we That's actually funny. we actually we actually alluded to this. We know. See, this is we know. We have been recording so long. Oh my we god! Alluded really? to, we allude. Yeah, we alluded to this. Listen, it's so hard. I tell the same fucking stories over and over again. It's so brutal. But um, uh, we talked about when Trent and Roy had their moment in the shower. Yes. We alluded to your relationship with your family member we, uh, where they finally said, hey, sorry. And you're like, we're good. It's same, Roy Kent did the same thing. Trent said, I'm sorry. I was trying to do it. And and Roy said, okay, it's okay. Like, right? So, That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Right. But you're, but you're, you're exactly right. And so where we pick this up is um, – we we went down to this this rabbit hole because we cannot fucking believe that his Siri calls him Wonderkind instead of Wonder Kid. It's so it's so delusional and crazy. And I'm I'm glad that you're rooting for it. I'm fighting the power. Um, I, I just never. I guess part of me is like knowing about how Colin has suffered and that Colin was so awesome. And Hey, Nate, I noticed like he called yeah. full lasso away. Hey man, yeah. I noticed like you didn't pick on the other two, but then you picked on me. I'm one like came right to him was, yeah. was honest and open. And, and the response he got, like you, you cover a blood stain. And I was like, it's so cruel that if you have that gear, I just go, Ooh, man, I don't, you know, it's addition by subtraction. It's like, do I want that person around? Um, and I think boss tends to, Boss, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you're not on the uh, I'm all hopped up on Nathan Shelley. I think you and I specifically, uh, we talked last week when John was in. Uh, I think that what I said was the difference for me is I do not believe that Nate was good and became bad and is going to become good again. I believe Nate has yes. always been an asshole and will be an asshole to everybody that he has the power to be an asshole to. And he needs to become not an asshole. So it's, I am not 
close to it. I'm open to him doing that, but that is the difference for me. Plus, I, I can people become that. not an asshole? Can absolutely is that honestly seriously? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, no, I fully believe that. You've I, seen I think it. I've seen it. I feel like in a lot of ways, I've done it. I was uh, maybe not an asshole, but I was wildly irresponsible and I did shitty things to my friends and family and would not show up for them when I needed to. Mm. And then I figured my shit out and now I'm able to do that. Like, I don't know if that was being mean, okay. but people. So wait, this is the figured out down. version of you. This is oh what my it looks God. like. Come on, man. Come buddy. On. Buddy. I'm just curious morning, uh... I, I swear to God this morning, literally this morning, I thought, he is going to say something to me at some point about how, where, when are you going to get better? And I'm like, oh, dude, this is, this is so much better than I could be. This is like light years beyond. You have no idea how fucked up I was even seven years ago. I it was wanna, a fucking nightmare. I don't want to derail us, but over the course of the last week, I was talking to my son who will soon be 18 and I said to him, I am not bullshitting y'all. I said to him, listen, man, I'm letting you know, like, therapy is so important, man. Like, yo, don't even wait till it's got to be some crisis shit, man. If you just feel like you just want to make sure everything's good, go. I said, listen, I've done a lot of therapy. It might be hard for you to believe this, but this shit could have been worse. <laughs> and, and he just kind of looked at me and I just kind of looked at him. Like, I was yeah. like. Let's let us let us be clear. As as much as you are gonna tell some poor person who doesn't care to hear it how I fucked it all up, I promise you, this could have been way fucking worse. Yes. Yeah. You know? So no, I get it. I get it. This is I, this is an improved version. Y- yes. And I feel like people do that, you know, throughout your lives. Ideally, you would be improving all the time and all those other things and blah, blah, blah. But really, like I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I have uh, shied away from because it, the still living parents and family members don't need me spreading gossip all across the internet. But there are some times when I tell people stories, I was uh, telling Castleton this last week also, that there are some times where I tell people stories and I'm like, oh, and then this extremely funny thing happened. And they're like, oh, God, that's not funny. And I'm like, oh, shit, I read this wrong. This one wasn't funny. Damn it. I got it wrong. <laughs> so there's just, there are some times where I'm like, oh man, hey, you, you have an apartment, Emily. Great job. You really did well. I swear to God. I swear to God on that. I, I like that you say like, it was so, you should see me seven years ago. That's kind of when I met you. And when I was like, I love this person. So I don't know what that says about me, but but I'm glad like you're because oh, I, I remember thinking like, oh my God, what a riot. Like everything you said, I'm like, this is who like who are you? Like who I did I did an actual spit take. Yes. No. And that's after <laughs> I had decided, after I was like, okay, so we're gonna draw some boundaries in what you say to people and what you don't. And these are the things that I thought this is inbounds. This is okay <laughs> to let people know about. That's the that's the shit that got through the filter. You look at the filter, it's just the <laughs> widest net you've ever seen. Like sharks can go through it. Like, oh okay, yeah, that's uh all right, that, that works. Emily, well, have, have you considered thinking about what you're gonna say? Oh yeah, it's going great. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no. That's that's true. That is very true. All right, so, so this Nate, is a Ted Lasso podcast. 
Yes, Nate is um, yes, Wonderkin. He says Siri, and he says, "How can you tell if she says yes, Wonderkin again? How can you tell if a girl likes you or just being nice to you, boss?" You can't. You can't. Um, there's. I really like this cut. There's a real quick cut here. There's not a lot of dead air. Um, I love that. I can imagine being in the editing room for this episode. They're like, "How long do we give Nate to react to that?" And they sometimes, again, it's the quick cuts are funnier because it feels like a, you know, cutting off a scream or something. It's like Nate is reacting to that. And then we're out. Part of that is an intentional cut as an editor to make that funny. And part of it is somewhere along the line, you get to the run times of this thing. And they're like, what air can we take out of this? Right. They're, everyone's nodding here because you go, Oh God, we just have like, what can we, can we get this down to like one minute and one hour and three minutes? Like, it's like at that point, you're like, oh my God, what are we talking about? Um, but we, I just look at Nate asking Siri and this, this gamified setup where he gets to decide who he is in his phone um, and not, uh, you know, superstar 69, right? Like he chose that. That's, that's his, it just, it shows who he is, but also he's asking them because he doesn't have diamond dogs to ask. That's a diamond dog. Yes. That is a hundred percent. He doesn't have his buddies to talk about girl problems with. And and what does a man need coach? Man needs his boys. And also I was thinking about this and I was actually thinking about this exact phrase and I was like, Oh, we're being really, stupid men here because a girl needs her girls too and sometimes a girl needs her boys and sometimes a boy needs his girls absolutely and sometimes right 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 right. it's not just your boy we only say that for the people that are listening we're not thinking like oh everybody needs boys uh on the contrary (laughs) too many boys can tend to uh be a real travesty but um when we reference that we always talk about the origin of that was watching pro athletes go off the deep end specifically it was around the Terrell Owens doing sit-ups in his in his driveway with the media around it. and I'm like oh there's got to be a best friend who pull, like pushes through the crowd and goes brother get out of here like yeah, I'm back nah. in the house stop this like fuck is and, he doing man yeah 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 just don't and we all need that um uh, we all need the people who who can tell you the truth and if you've if you've burned all the bridges that Nate has burned um you know, I think a lot about how Nate got away without a headbutt from Roy and how he got away without something really, really scathing from Beard. Like Beard has the capacity to say something to Nate that Nate will never get over. You know, Beard is the boss of the of the show. He, he you know what I mean? You guys have that gear where like I don't think I've ever said something to someone that's so mean that they that it I can bury it in the psyche. I'm usually the Ned Flanders who's like, you know, Hadley. I, I I'll hear I've heard from people like uh, you know at reunions and, reunions and things. Oh, you told me this when I was in fifth grade or sixth grade, and I never forgot it, and it really helped me and gave me a lot of whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's great. But I've never done the opposite. I've never because I don't think I have the gear to do it. But yeah, boss has her boss like well, I do that. That's a Wednesday. <laughs> Uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can. But you you know the type of comment where it's so insidious and and it's almost like a uh it reminds me of like a Trojan horse program for the brain. Like you say yeah. it and you hear it goes through your ears, but then it just gets berries in your psyche. It will it refuses to stop on the outside level. And we're all haunted by things like this. It, clearly, this is why Beard is thinking about the 
vibrator in the middle of a, of a speech. Like all these sure. things that get into your subconscious, um, Nate somehow avoided. He avoided just like just a fi- the physical violence of Roy. I remember how they looked at him during that game, that look that, you know, when they saw Nate, how mad they were, and then all the players coming out. And he somehow hasn't felt that because Ted has decided to keep a door open. Um, and we're, we'll see how that plays out. You, you know, though, Coach, it's something for us to just keep an eye on. And like I said, I am rooting for a road back, but I want it to be one. If I don't, if it doesn't make me cry, I, I'm going to feel like they, they, they let me down on this. But did is Ted did Ted do Nate any favors by shielding him? Keeping the door open did not have to equal shielding him. Keeping the door open did not have to equal putting a ripped sign back up so no one would know that Nate, a grown fucking man, did what the fuck he did. Like you can say the door is still open to bring your ass back. But why do what? There's something about the choices, Ted, and and there were complaints around this from you and from Boss in season two that like, what's going on here? That that, that makes me say like, you know what? If you're really gonna be part of the group at a certain point, he wasn't lying. Roy wasn't lying when he said to Jamie, "I had to headbutt you so we could celebrate." Yes. I I mean, part of what you're talking about is that Nate needs to have his boys and, you know, his boys, I understood to mean like your group of people that tell you the truth. He needs his boys. Ted needs to be his boys, which means that Ted can't paper over all the shit that Nate is doing so that Nate feels good. Ted needs to say, Nate, you were fucking up and this is how you need to stop fucking up. You know what? They're both the two of them and their transference shit that they had going on made it impossible for them to be boys. And that, as much as yes. anything, derailed their relationship. Because on the other side of the papering over, at what point, Nate, were you gonna go, Hey, what the fuck, man? I'm here handing you strategies. Like, yes, can a can a can, can a brother, you know what I'm saying? Can a brother get a compliment? Can I get a joke? You know, yes. what's, what's, what's the story here? He couldn't say that either. So the fact that they were both doing a lot of father-son, you know, therapy work they weren't aware of, I think, really got in the way. Absolutely. Yeah, no question. So we pivot over to the uh, Crown and Anchor. Beard and Ted are sitting there having a, a meal or a drink or something. Um, Beard says, what, uh, boss? So now I'm starting to get all these subtle little hints from Jane, like certain magazines left on the coffee table. Now I was hearing about her friends who were doing it. And Ted says, yeah, well, marriage is a big commitment, you know? No, I'm talking about pegging. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you that, are. Uh, that's a good joke. That's, that's a good a joke. quality joke, man. I laughed out loud. And then pegging. and then you get a little, you get a little additional <laughs> joke. Ted says, oh, well... You know, still, th- that reminded me of Higgins saying uh, when he said, oh, it was a pleasure to be in the Johan Cruyff Arena. And then Marilyn, who ran Ajax, right, right, she right, says, right, right. it's actually Ron Cruyff. And, and Higgins goes, well, still, you know, like, yeah, the, the point still remains. And then Ted goes, wait, what magazines? Well, like, what that made you laugh, too. <laughs> what the fuck are you reading over there? That was great. 
Now, May shows up. Here you go, lads. Thanks, May. You okay, May? Ted says. She says, no, we win. This place is packed. We lose. It's like this. That's That's got to hit hard for, for those gentlemen. Um, the guy at the bar, I should have looked at I forget his name. What's his name? Do you remember, boss? I forget. The He's that, the one who went on, he went a, on date a date with, with May. To, yeah. yeah, he went on a date with May, but he was always correcting her. And actually, they went on two dates. Yes. God damn right. it. Why can't I remember his name? I kind of want to say oh, Dan, but I don't know if that's right. I'll do some Googling and I'll follow up. Cool, cool. So so he says, uh, I actually prefer it. You can finally hear yourself thinking here. To which May replies, what, boss? Fuck off. Yeah. Um, Ted and Beard stay out of the fray here because they're like already like, oh, shit. Like, uh, we're, we're losing, which is why this place is empty. <sighs> you know, the, the tendrils of decision making uh, in AFC Richmond affect not just them, but the entire... Um, you know, the area at large. And one of the reasons like people like me and, and uh, boss uh, enjoyed welcome to Wrexham was that uh, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not speaking for you, boss, but I really liked how it was. Oh, the community really thrives if the team is thriving and you get to see that. And that was for me, that was the, I, I've mentioned before, it's the only time I've ever been jealous watching a show. So I was like, that would be, that is crack to me. To be able to go yes. in and like fix a community and especially through sport. Oh my God. Like that is, that is my, that is crack. Oh, <clears throat> sorry. My oh, it is your, it is your crack. Literally. That is crack. Now I need <laughs> <to> crack. <laughs> Bro, I do think that. That was, that was like off the top <laughs> rope. Just the man's weekend. He's, he's just doesn't have his senses around him. He's trying to get his voice together. She's like, take this pun with you. Bow. Terrible, terrible. Damn. But no, one, I love that in Welcome to Wrexham. But also it did remind me of uh, Beard's pub speech in episode nine of season one, where he says, winning does matter to them and it matters to me. And that's okay. Ain't that right, May? Like he knows. He knows that it affects her. Well said. So up come uh, PB&J, Paul, Baz, and Jeremy. Hey, Lasso, we wanted to apologize. Ted says, what for? Bess says, we're getting all soft on you. And uh, Coach, what does Jeremy say? Yeah, we humanized you and lost all objectivity. Right. And what does Paul say, boss? Main reason why farmers don't name their livestock. Yeah. And why we don't learn the names of Bass's brother's girlfriends anymore because he's a male whore. Um, so Bass is exactly. So we're going to backslide a little bit. Now, what the fuck what, are you doing to our team, Wanker? Can, can I? Sl- I'm just going to slow you down for enough of a second to say that one more sort of like, we are not just going to do patriarchy shit. We're going to get it in where we can. Calling this guy a male whore, the judgment of that. He's not a Mac. He's not a pimp. He's a whore. And that's just, I was like, that's fucking cool. Yeah, I would have preferred man whore because that's okay. like just a, a better term. It, it, just the yeah. feel of it, man whore. But yes, no, I agree. I like himbo myself. Himbo is good. Himbo does imply a certain amount of uh, dumbness. Like Jamie Tart is a himbo, but you could be a male whore, a man whore and be smart. Right, like Coach. <laughs> so, exactly. Exactly. So, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing to our team, Wanker? And I love this moment because as soon as Baz says this, what happens? Like, what is the activity across from Ted, boss? 
Oh, Beard is ready to wreck some shit. He he says, okay. Okay. And you could see him like preparing. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's like, especially because he took these guys under his wing. Yes. And Beard after he brought them to Nelson Road. He gave them the ultimate experience. Like, you know what? Like, you're not going to have that. And then, then do this to my coach. Here's what's not going to happen. Like you've, you've, you've lost the thread boys. Um, and Ted, of course, well, anyway, now hold, hold on coach. Cause he knows what's coming. Well, I'll tell you what, fellas, why don't you come and watch training tomorrow? See for yourselves. We ain't running a chocolate factory or a Deutsche Bank chocolate factory, Charlie and the chocolate factory. At first I was like, wait, Hershey's. I was like, I don't know. That's yeah. Charlie and the chocolate like, <laughs> top yeah. secret chocolate factory or Deutsche Bank. Um, yeah. Deutsche Bank in case anyone wonders, uh, what the political affiliation of the show is. Um, we got nothing to hide from y'all. See you tomorrow. To which Baz, you know, like, yeah, you will. Like he's a real tough guy. And then of course they turn and do the the thing where they all freak out and should I wear a suit? I'm definitely gonna take a shower. I mean, I gotta do that definitely. Um and then Beard says what to Ted, uh, boss? Coach, you sure it's smart to invite fans to our practices? Yeah. And then I usually do Ted, but I, boss, I, uh, I mean, coach, I want you to do this one. What does he say? It's their team. We're just barring for a little while, you know? I thought that was beautiful. I was like, I don't quite know why I'm reacting to that. As tr- but I just love that Ted said that. I loved it. I don't know how many coaches think that way. Because part I of being a coach is you're like, like, like none, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like you come in, I, I just, you know, most of our interaction with this type of coach is in the NFL. And it's like, you get a new coach. It's a, it's an event. It's, it's the whole city welcomes you and you go dinners with the mayor and the senators and the governor. And it's like a big, big thing. And then that redefined the coach's personality redefines what the team is going to be. And then hope springs eternal. You get a new coach, anything can happen. Right. Right. Coach. And, and so. But how many of them say, oh, this team belongs to the fans. I am just the shepherd. I am just I am just navigating temporarily. And so the one way in one way it's beautiful, it's a beautiful sentiment. But I thought, oh, is this foreshadowing the eventual departure of Ted Lasso mm-hmm. from Richmond? Yeah, it, it, mean, it, it would make sense. And it, he was talking about it earlier. It may it would make sense. Yeah. Come on, man. I don't do well with the family breaking up, man. Come on. I know. Let's, let's not I know. do this. I, I, I feel like we should not do it yet because there is something later in the episode that I think hints even more at the possible departure. So maybe we should wrap all of that into that scene. I agree. So Beard says, anyway, I guess marriage and pegging aren't really that different. Yeah, it's all about compromise, Ted says. Now we cut to more shots uh, before, of... Oh, yeah, before go ahead, boss. we move on, in case there's anybody listening who doesn't know what pegging is and decides to Google it, don't do so at work <laughs> on a work laptop. Pegging, uh, correct me I if would I'm go, wrong. I would go straight is, up incognito window. I'm just going to put that Yeah, 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 yeah. As far as I understand it, I could be totally wrong. Pegging is when you take the bottom part of your pants and you roll them in a way that tightens. Oh my them. god, exactly. that is yes, such yes, a yes, Gen yes, yes. X joke. Yeah, that yeah, is no, like you, you, a super you, Gen X joke. It's actually to, not a joke. It literally is what right? You say peg your jeans or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I remember. Yeah. yeah, but it's just you know like 
head shop has changed in definitions also. <laughs> Things change. Time happens. Right. Imagine you think you're going to be pegging in a head shop and jeez. <laughs> You guys need to update these brochures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel all funny in a whole different part of my pants. <laughs> uh, so we cut to more stores opening, um, and the mail carrier's walking down the steps. Nate peeks in the window of of uh, Taste of Athens once again. Um, sometime in the morning is playing, and now we get, like, as Nate peeks in, around the corner comes who, Coach? Derek. There yeah, he, he is. Yeah, he's loud and he seems really tall and gangly in this scene. He just does a good job. Um, Nate freaks out. He's like, oh, God, sorry. Yeah, Derek says, what? The hottest coach in the league. And he says it in the weirdest way, like with like hip thrusts and weird shit. And to who? Like there's no one else there. So why are you yelling at Nathan? Like it's like it's almost like you're introducing Nathan to Nathan. Like he knows who he is. He knows he coaches for West Ham. Like who who are you telling this? The the, the sycophantic thing is so gross um and i mean this guy kills it the actor plays derek we've mentioned him before this is such a fun role and he he milks it he just eats every every terrible line all the crappy hip thrusts and body movements and um nick muhammad of course as nathan does a great job reacting to this his facial expressions are spot on uh, Derek says, I want a lot of money off your lot, so keep it up, please. That horrifies uh, Nate. Table for one. Um, he says, no, I just thought I just passing. Uh, is Jade working today? Do you know? Uh, to which Derek says, what, boss? No, she's off Tuesdays. She goes to school or feeds her mom. I don't listen, so I don't really know. Is there anything more old manhood than straight up just not listening and not even giving a fuck that you don't listen? Like, like he's like, oh, here's the thing you should know about me. I'm not listening. Yeah. And then what does Nathan say to that coach? Okay. Well, um, just say that I said hello. I'm actually, you know what? Don't. Don't say anything. Um, Actually, no, do. Uh, say if you, um, uh, yeah, mm, no, just say anything unless she... Don't say, just don't say anything unless she asks after me, in which case, just say that I said hello. See, like, that's the mo, that's a moment, and, and I wanted to, we can keep going and see, but that's a moment where I was like, because I don't understand why we're on a new path with Nate, I didn't enjoy that. It wasn't, oh, I'm a moving with parents and my face is going to melt off and, you know, and me going, oh, Nate. Like, I was just like, I don't know, well, get your shit together. I don't know. Like, I didn't care. I didn't care that he was nervous. I didn't care if he fucked this up. I didn't care if Jade saw him fuck it up and never called his ass back. I, I didn't care. Yeah. I think that it, the issue with it is when he seems nervous and timid and unsure of himself in season one, when we were only presented with him being at, at the bottom of the level, sort of nice, sort of benign if nothing else uh then we read that as being endearing because it's you want to help him because he feels unsure of himself and you 
like it's a way that he might not be trying to draw you in, but you are drawn in by him. And now that I know that he can be a bully and an asshole and cruel to people, I think, well, fuck you. Learn how to say your words. Simple as that, man. You know what I mean? I'm like, I bet you didn't stutter when you called Trent Krim. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just, I don't give him the kind of leeway. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, like, yes. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta fucking fix this shit, bro. Like, that was fucked up what you did. And I just can't just be like, oh, this is cute. They got the rom-com music playing. Like, I'm like, nah. I don't yep. really fuck with Nate Same. like that yet. I, I want oh. to. Oh, man. Wow! But I, I'm, man, I I'm bet really... you didn't stutter when you called Trent Krim to talk about T-shirt. somebody's nervous break. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, Coach. Listen, that's we always joke about how Boss scares the bejesus out of us, but that that side of Coach, there's <laughs> very. I never want to be on it on the outside looking in. I bet you didn't do it when you called Trent. Uh, I, yes. I, I don't want to be on the receiving end, but I would like to be on the on coach's sideline just to I, watch. I will share this. And this is over the last couple of days. No details. I texted to someone that I had held the door open for a certain person and they had taken advantage and spit in my face. I slammed the door. I'm glad I slammed the door. I hope it broke his spiritual nose. Yes. That's an actual yeah. thing I texted over the last 48 hours about someone. So. It's in there. See, this this is why we get along. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. I might I be on the wrong podcast. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he says, uh, which in, in which case, just say that I said hello if she asks after me. Derek says, and why would she ask after you? Nate says, exactly. I don't. Uh, thank you, Derek. Thank you. Bye. Um, yes. No. Just yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, bye. And Derek, he goes, he's like, like. Makes fun of him. He mocks it. I was like, what is happening? Like, in as a friend. Like, oh, we're pals. Right, right, right. You're right. all over the place, buddy. And then he's like, all right. And turns around and walks in. And I'm like, oh. like the thing I took away from this is I just want like a BBC spinoff. Like 100 Days of Derek. <laughs> I just want to, like, I just really love this character. He's so fun. That's great. He's the he's disgusting. Like, Health the inspector comes in, he's yeah. thrusting his hips all over the place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to see him bribing people. I want to see him ju- just, yeah, I want I want to see everything. Um, so uh, we cut to Nelson Road. Uh, Ted's, uh, uh, Ted and Roy and um, Beard are walking out to the pitch. Ted says, hey, Trent. Hello, Ted. Um, love uh, Trent Krim, as always. Jeremy calls from the stands. Hey, Ted! And and I really love this. It's just a small little thing. But, Coach, what does he say? He turns around. What does he say? What does Ted say? Hey, fellas. Yeah. Hey, fellas. Like, he's not like, oh, I can't hear you. I'm ignoring you. You know, we're in a different, we're in a, this is a workplace now. Yeah, right, right. He's I'm just a like, coach. He's still Ted. Yeah. Hey, fellas. How were the, the fish and chips last night? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So Roy wants to know what the fuck they're doing there. Uh, and Ted says, what, boss? I don't know. Ask Beard. He's the one who invited him. I, I I, know we keep saying Ted's back, Ted's back, Ted's back, Ted's back, Ted's back, Ted's back. And and I think in life is kind of that way when somebody's recovering, you kind of go, oh, there's a little more of that. I felt like that level of playfulness 
it also like he's he is definitely of the let's make a mess tribe, right? Like that is a totally legitimate question. The fuck are they doing here? Those three clowns from the pub. What are they doing here? Um, and it and it made me think. There's a an unbelievable documentary about the uh, now. This one I may have told before, so you know, it, it, it's who I am. Sorry, working memory. Blame my parents. Um, so <laughs> I am but, I am but a product of my genetics, friends. <laughs> but NC State there in 1983, March Madness. They had this. I mean, improbable doesn't even cover like. Basically, you know, Little League All-Stars brand, Bad News Bears brand run to the uh, NTA championship. And when they were going through all of it at one point, when they were practicing for the Final Four, when the player says that there were all these fans there and that he said to, to Jim Valvano, who was their coach, hey, um, you know, what What the hell are they doing here? We didn't get to the final four by having a crowd at practice. And that Valvano turned to him and told him to just enjoy it. And I was just like, wow. I don't think I could have been Jim Valvano right there. Like, I, like it made me really go like, yeah, wow. Like, if you could be that aware in a moment that friend you are 19, 20 years old. You hopefully are going to live another 50, 60, 70 years. And this, I promise you, is going to be one of the coolest fucking moments of your life. Just enjoy it. That You're 19, 20 years old. You're going to hopefully live another 50, 60, 70 years. And I promise you, this is going to be one of the coolest moments of your entire life. Enjoy it. That I've worked my entire life to get here, and I'm still so aware of the bigger project here that I have the the wherewithal to say to you, no, don't, don't make this about the fact that I've dreamt about coaching a championship team. Don't make this about anything else, but how fucking cool is it that people took time to come watch me practice a sport that's crazy and uh so it felt like that to me and then obviously putting it on beard i don't know it it it, it felt just this side of you know wasn't me beard must have farted i mean it just like just like he's just having a grand (laughs) old time like geez really yeah yeah. this is playful and it's it's nice it's it's sort of um you're a jerk it's like getting him back for your you know like i don't know yes yes Yes, right? it's exactly. all been one way. Beard has been, you know, it's it's been a while since Ted's thrown it back and been playful. And um, coach, you missed a really important part of last episode that I forgot. Uh, not this episode, but the last episode of this podcast uh, when we talked about how we were talking about hush your butts, and and you, you're going to have a lot to say about this, but I'm putting it on your radar because. In the Ted Lasso universe, we talk about openness and curiosity and the fluidity of it. And let's leave room for God to walk in. All these things that feel nebulous. But total football happens because Ted is decisive. And we don't ever – decisiveness feels um, foreign to the Ted Lasso world. Yeah, yeah, Coach, I knew you are going to like this. Because hush your butts – 
is a departure from the lasso way. He says, Jamie, I'd like you to come in here, and I'm, I'm glad you told me about this, and I want you to continue to do so. He is always open for discussion until he's not. And it takes one artist, like one person with a vision yes. to go, hush right. your butts. We're going to do that. Hush your butts. we're doing it. That's right? And so it. I'm just yeah. putting it on your radar because you didn't get a chance to comment on it. But this feels a little bit like, you know, this is what we're doing. Uh, yeah, I've got the guys in the stand. Hush your butts. It's going to be fine. Like, Well, it, I mean, there's going to be a little bit of trouble here just because of, of, of language and using a word more than one time. Uh, but... Uh, Apparently, this is my uh, ode to uh, <laughs> this is my 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 ode to uh, Mr. Kimbo here. But anyway, he, he talks about managers versus leaders, and managers are the people who make sure we get things done on time. We do this. We put this over. He goes. Leaders say we should go this way. Follow me. And so I think we talk about the lasso way at some point, if there's no way to bring in a lasso way, if you don't at some moment, and I think that's spot on to call that out. If at at some moments you don't say, no, 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 no. Like there's a whole vision and there are lots of variables, but there's certain shit that we're going to be about around here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, total football is like the embodiment of it. Yeah, you can't course correct if there's no course. So somebody has to, has to have to have their eyes on the prize and then say, okay, no, no, we're heading in this direction. So um, Be- uh, Beard, of course, makes a little throat slash thing to, to Roy. Like, no, 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 I didn't. I didn't do that. That wasn't me, bub. Uh, <laughs> Ted blows the whistle. All right, my my merry pranksters. Merry pranksters. Uh, I was like, I wonder why they use that. That is the name given to a bunch of followers of the novelist Ken Casey. And I don't know enough to know what the hell that is, but I'm just putting it out there because that's what that is. I, I don't know if he meant it. I didn't know if he meant to do that. If it, Ken Casey wrote One Flew of the Cougar's Nest. Um, I don't know enough about it. So yeah. maybe it's something, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's an accidental uh, There's thing. been a Cuckoo's Nest reference, I want to say in season one, I'll try to recall. I'll try to reconstitute it here somehow. But there was a so that's it's Beard not is more of a insane. Tabor guy. Yes, so th- it's not insane that there'd be some sort of reference there if that's what you're finding. Yeah. So well, yeah. Anyway, I I just note it because I don't know what Mary Mary Pranksters was specifically. Um, if we're gonna play total football, there are four things we need to focus on. All right, number one. Conditioning. Y'all got to get into even better shape. Number two, versatility. Number three, awareness. And number four, I don't know what that one is yet, but I know it's important. Now, Coach Bishop. Beautiful, beautiful human being that he is. (laughs) He texted me yesterday, and he told me what he thinks number four is going to turn out to be. Now, what we're going to do is something we've never done before. We're going to do a standalone episode where coach, we're going to come in and we're going to have coach go through this. And he's going to, because we talked about how he really said he could do a totally different episode on um, the total football 
transition the the Donald and Math Magic Land vision quest that Ted had when he was in the Yankee Doodle Burger Barn, like all of these things together, in addition to total football. And Coach has a real inside straight on what he thinks is going on here. So I'm just putting a, a pin in that for folks because we are trying to figure out uh, how to cover certain things in detail while still keeping up with the pace of this season um, and keep an eye out for that. Uh, that'll be an extra episode that, uh, that we'll, we'll add um, as, as quickly as we can. Um, I personally like that number four is partly because of my ADHD. There's always a number four in everything I do. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there was one other thing. Uh, we'll just leave that open. And I'm sure that it'll fill itself in at some point. But um. Yeah, I don't know what that one is, but I know it's important. Um, we get a shot of Jamie here where he is, he's stretching, he's on his, he's got a knee up and he's actually, it's a back stretch that he's doing, but he, he looks away like he's like, ah, he's a little, I can't tell if he's irritated or he's like, uh, more like, you know, vague bullshit because we're starting to get a sense now that Jamie might have the, the most understanding about what has to happen with this team. Um, and Ted continues starting today. We're going to have to turn things up a notch around here. So I'm going to hand it over to your drill instructor, Sergeant Roy Kent. And he, and he does a little salute and, and, uh, what does, what does Roy say, boss? On your feet, maggots whistle. Yeah. Whistle. And guys, the guys like surprised. They're like, Oh shit. Like they hop up. Isaac is like really surprised. Like guys are surprised. Um, and you got the guys, uh, uh, Paul, Baz, and Jeremy watching uh, from the stands. They're like, like, oh, what, what's happening here? And Roy says what? Right. Today you're going to run from end to end to end to end. But if, lucky for you, I'm in a good mood. So we've only got to do that for the whole fucking practice. Whistle! And then they take off. <laughs> you only have to do it for the whole – that's very that, – that is very um, – that feels right. If we're doing drill sergeant stuff, that feels like, I'll tell you what, like I love doing that voice. And I was in army ROTC in college. And so I always love these things and they do this. Uh, no book did it better than catch 22 where they put you in impossible situations. Uh, you know, you, you, it's a real military quality where they say, you know, you've only got to do that for the whole fucking practice. That's it. You know, and you put your soldiers in impossible situations where you say like, uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember the exact quote in catch 22, but it's like the general is like yelling at somebody. He's like, uh, you know, you think I'm a windy son of a bitch, don't you? And, and it's like, no general, no, sir. Or whatever. Oh, so you think I'm a fucking liar? I said, I think you think that. <laughs> No, no, sir. Well, so you do think I'm a windy son of a bitch? Uh, no, sir, no, sir. Oh, so you think I'm a fucking liar? Like, like these impossible situations, and I just love it. Um, Baz says, "Why didn't he just use a whistle?" And Jeremy says, "What, boss?" He's allergic to metal. And then Paul says, "What, coach?" Football stars—they're just like us. I okay, so. I, I what I would I think we should do is just clip me saying I fucking love Paul and yeah. just just and every just time just, just insert that after each of his lines just you know save everybody a ton of time he makes me laugh so hard every I don't, time I, I imagined off of this I was like he always says 
the thing that feels like it was in a tabloid. I'm like, I'm, I think, I think Paul's mom loved fucking tabloids. Like I've just, I've yes. created this whole backstory. Cause I'm like his share thing. Like he's always like real dialed into that particular way of looking at yes. the world. Oh God. So funny. Cool. Yeah, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Paul's a great character, and he's going to have a great line coming up in this episode. Boss? Before we move on from the four important things that Ted needs to play total football, uh, so number one was conditioning, number two is versatility, number three is awareness, number four we're not sure of yet. We don't know right now if there's going to be a fourth season of Ted Lasso. When they were originally coming out with the show – it was one episode, or one season, and then it was picked up for two more with the idea that there might be a fourth, but we don't know if there's going to be a fourth. So I don't want to get too much into Coach yes. Bishop's total football and everything that he's going to do with that. But I did think, was season one about conditioning, number two is about versatility, and number three is being about awareness. And are they telling us we don't know if there's a season four? You know what? We in here playing checkers, and she in here playing <laughs> nerd checkers. Oh. <laughs> Holy shit, man. At a certain point, I should probably get tired of getting my clock clean like that. Just walking into just fucking haymakers. Just Wow. Oh, now nerd. I feel like I gotta rewatch the whole fucking series and be like, is she right? Oh, wow. nerd checkers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I thought um, this is this is really interesting because I was I was trying to I saw versions of this being talked about on our message boards. Um, and I was like, okay, number one, conditioning. So season one, if we if we follow the let's follow that that idea. Season one's about conditioning. And obviously it's not about physical conditioning, it's about conditioning the entire organization to understand what the you know, to begin to acclimate them to the to the lasso way. Okay, that works. That works. Season two, no, season two versatility. Um, yeah, low point. I was. Yeah, this the low, is, right. We, and things the, aren't the working the we, way that they you expect them to, so you need to be able to adapt and respond. Which I think feels like early season three more than season two to me a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, I feel like the Zava stuff really heighten the versatility and the formations. I guess versatility with Nate's false nine and stuff like that. Maybe that was, I don't know. I guess it, I guess it works. And then number three is awareness. Season three is becoming aware of how it all plays in together, the connectivity of it. Co- coach has something. Yeah, Coach. Well, I would say versatility in season two. I think, you know, it may not be super just like, you know, perfectly neat. But I do think versatility in season two in that, you had a lot of people in new roles. Yeah. That's Is Roy going to be on TV? Is Roy going to just yell at some little girls for a while? Is Roy going to come coach with coach and he knows that that's where he really belongs? Right? Like, there's, and uh, I want to, I'm sure if we kind of, there's a lot, you know, hey, yeah. Nate, Nate, Mr. Kitman, who, you know, was cute when he roasted everybody. Now he's in a new role that's not so cute when he roasts Colin anymore. That's not funny anymore, you know. So there's a, there's some stuff there. That's interesting, man. Yeah, it's a good it's a good call, and it does it does work. Um, 
so uh yeah roy says run and um e- even there we notice and we'll we'll come back to this a little bit jamie's out in front and uh you know he the, the 4 a.m workouts are paying off ted says you sure you don't want a plastic whistle and then we cut to my favorite uh uh, subplot KJPR. Hello, people. I mean, listen. I, I'm going to say that I unabashedly love Dan. Say something. I love Dan. Um, I just think he's a really good. Kid. Uh, he's just like a really something about him. I just I really really root for Dan, and I feel like oh god, maybe maybe all I'll get out of this subplot is is the burgeoning of Dan, <laughs> like the the cover, you know, like the. <laughs> Dan becoming who he was meant to be, thanks to Keeley, because she's such a great coach. Um, but anyway, uh, we're we're at KJPR. Jack enters and closes the Keeley's door behind her. Jack says hi. Keeley says hi. Jack says, "Oh, cute flowers." Keeley says, "Oh, thanks." Yeah, daisies are my favorite. Jack says, "Huh?" And I thought I was. Now, Jack comes right over to Keeley on the couch. And boss, what does she do here? What does Jack start to do? Where Keeley says, "Wait." She starts to lean in to kiss her. And as you do. No, as you absolutely do not. And listen, I'm not a huge fan of PDAs, uh, which I'm sure will be shocking for everyone who thinks of me as being so touchy-feeling and emotional. But <laughs> I'm definitely against them in a professional setting. Because as much as I think puritanical culture is ruining us in a lot of ways, at my job, I need to be a professional employee and that means i cannot be making out with my girlfriend boyfriend whatever else yeah try telling that to mr handsy over here (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what i don't know where that came from that's like no basis Um, in anything yeah yeah no no it's good yeah it's Really. All, all I do, all I do is grope at work. Oh, That's it. You got I, me, I, I assumed he meant Biggie. I, I assumed your coworker Biggie was just all up on you. Oh yeah, Biggie is up. Yeah, that too. Oh yeah, um, no, so, he's a he's a lawsuit. This guy. So we we go we go. Keely says, "Wait." She searches for the the remote, which I can't believe how much usage this this shade thing has gotten in this in this series. Uh, and Keely snuffs out the the transparency. Jack says, "Why'd you do that?" And Keely goes, "Oh shit, you're right. Yeah." And then she turns it off. And then she's like, "Everyone's looking at them now. Now everyone is completely sad." And Keely screams. And now we get this. I, I really liked this. And uh, this is Juno Temple's comedy chops. It's pretty pretty damn good, man. That, to pull this off the right way, on off, no off, on or off, on on or off. And Jack is trying to calm her down. Keely, 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 Keely. And I was like, oh, this is real. <laughs> she really, like, her, she shut down. She went into, I am, this is overload. I have no understanding of, I don't know what to do. Jack says, stop, give it, give it to me, thanks. And she says, what's going on? Um, and, and Jack uh, turns the shade on so they can have privacy. Keely says, I just want to talk. Hold on, just before yeah, you do this, because I think it, it matters what you said about comedy chops, and it's just one of, you know, a thousand things I love about the show. Juno Temple is playing this moment. She is not playing this joke, and that's why the joke works. Yes. I don't need you showing me how funny you can be acting nervous. What I need to see is you being nervous, and that's fucking hilarious. And, I, and, and it's something that people don't pay 
as much attention to as I as I would like them to with shows. But I just it just drop the minute I feel like you're playing the funny in a situation like this, I am out. Yeah, no, no, beautifully, beautifully said, Coach. Because this is a daytime. No, not even this is like network TV shit. If it's done wrong, this is oh, like where you awful. groan and go, "Oh my god!" Like this is this is terrible. Uh, but because she plays the emotion in it, uh, and it's the anxiety that's driving the action, that's what makes it funny. Um, yeah, what does Keely say here, boss? I'm sorry. I'm just not built for secret office romance. I'm used to everyone knowing everything about me. Barbara saw the book that you gave me, and I uh, didn't think that I could tell her that we were dating because I didn't want us to get into trouble. Yeah, this is this is. Jack says, "Go ahead, go ahead. You have something to say, Coach?" Yeah, yeah. Real, real quick on this, I just want to say that um, sometimes I get, I think they get us leaning with Keely, and and it's not the first storyline where I felt this, and like as so right now I get the feeling like I'm supposed to be leaning into like no. Be free, Keely. Be transparent. Literally transparent. But you know what? You're the boss now. You're not cute, Keely, with your box full of shit, jumping from office to office. They don't need to know you the same way anymore. Like, I've been an assistant coach and a, and a head coach, and it's just a different fucking situation. And, and you might be working with young kids. You might be working high school or whatever. But, like, when you had an assistant coach, you said, when I remember as a track coach, man, I did more psychiatry work. You know what I mean? When I'm, the, when I'm the head coach, I'm like, man, I need this motherfucking play run. Who's ready to run this fucking play? And I think that Keely is probably going to run into, at some point, I'm going to need to know who can run this motherfucking play. Like, Dan, you know, great. You're cool. Very cute. But at some point, them spreadsheets you apparently over there fucking working on better be right. And and that may mean that I don't, you know, sit around and gossip with you and tell you all my secrets. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if it's, you know, yes, transparent. But I think there's an appropriate level of transparent to even if you're not in a hierarchical organization. And just because you love Dan so much, that is why I was thinking of the name. Uh, May's date from the bar was Richard. Richard. Ah, yes. yeah. There you go. There you go. Good call. Um, we alluded. We alluded to this last episode. We talked about how, you know, I was frustrated with the KJPR thing because I hate that Keely is like off on her own without any any interaction really with all the other major. They're all interacting, and she's off on her own. And then. You know, we were talking about it in our in our writers' room, and this is a big point of contention because, on the one hand, you say, you know, Jack, uh, not Jack, um, Rebecca and Keely are two examples of people we really want to see them develop professionally. You could take the perspective, hey, listen, when we met Keely, she's making, um, I think it was like waxing appointments for Jamie, right? And then you say, and now she's the CEO of a company, but. Even inside of that, you go, yeah, but Shandy came in and knew things that she didn't do, didn't know. She's not really in charge of this this operation the way Barbara is in the same way. You know, it, it, it has – have we seen her, for example, have we explored her vocational uh, life in the same way as we, have, we've had to explore her romantic life 
not that it's been unpleasant, but it's not, it, it hasn't been given the same, it's short shrifted, you know, it's, it hasn't been giving the same um, attention in the same way. If you, let's go back to season one, Keely breaks up with Jamie because he's a airhead and, and she's like, she's so far past him. Right. Would we say the same thing now? Would we say like, you look at the growth of Jamie Tart. Why does this male character get to have this arc of vocational growth? Granted, I will concede that it's in some ways, it's so easy to show his growth because you're, he's a footballer that you can show footballing. You can show him right, actively right. footballing. It's a little harder to say, oh, watch Keely pour through spreadsheets. She's really good. At, you know, whatever. But in the times where she's had the opportunity to show how great she was, we see Shandy doing the, the takes for banter, you know, one take at a time, if you remember. Okay, everybody, let's go. Okay, you go, Van Dam. Okay, you go. We saw how great Shandy was. We haven't seen that with Keely, at least this season. We, um, uh, we're going to get to a, a PR nightmare happening later in this episode and there's no there's no where is keely what that that is her literal job is to mm. handle the pr and you go so so a a very it's valid criticism cool. you yeah, know last cool. last season i know i i was uh, ad nauseum i used to hammer the cerithium oil beat because i wanted to see rebecca go find new spot i wanted a whole episode if we're talking about her being a boss ass bitch let's see her be a boss ass bitch let's see i don't really like that term i don't like saying it didn't like how it felt in my mouth, but um, <laughs> I mean, like I, I'm going to speak on behalf of all women and say it was fine. Oh, thank you, thank you, boss. I just don't like the. I don't. I, it brings me back to Nora and like that that you know overly precocious child teaching the grown ups, and I'm I'm just like, eh, really, you're going to reach all the way back and pick on Nora? Is that what we do? I don't. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's not her fault. It's not her fault that the writing is making her say that. But also, like, where was Rebecca standing up and finding sponsors and doing that? We just haven't. I feel like we have seen Rebecca and Keeley specifically, two characters we absolutely adore. And they are framed through their relationships more than they're framed through their vocation and their 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 work life, their career life. And and it does feel like an inequity. And I just pointed out because you have some of the best women writers on the planet writing for the show. It's not like this is like a all boys club where they don't yeah. understand women. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so even in a, on a show that is this progressive and this good and uh, you know, what we, at least I always call it a masterpiece. It still feels like there may be some inherent um, unintentional, completely unintentional misogyny or, uh, or at least the, the ability to accidentally overlook the uh, sort of equity between the male vocational subplots and the and the and and the ones with the women. Um, anyway, that's something that whenever we go to KJPR, I notice this because Jack is there, and you're like, okay, this could be a work thing, but it's not. This is a romantic thing here. You know, it's interesting. I have a few different thoughts on it. I think there there there. Are- Places that that might be a little more meat on the bone to get into to some of the stuff with Jack and uh, Keely, but I now that you're saying that, I would say Jack is presented as such a um, potential business mentor that I think weaving that into the romantic would be a really interesting. Like I, I the, the love bombing thing works. And and we can have a whole other conversation about that because I feel a little bit like Keely. 
I done, jade, I done dated a couple of jacks. <laughs> <laughs> you think Rebecca's telling you something? Rupert ain't got nothing on the jacks. I'm trying to tell you about. Um, so I'm just, so I'm, I'm, I'm just like, mm. she, she sat up and told you she's crazy jealous. Even crazy jealous motherfuckers don't say that. So that that means she is really, really jealous. Um, but it, but all that to say, I think if we woven into all that was how do I do this? When would I do that? And it would make all the sense in the world if she's this, you know, VC angel investor type person. If she were, you know, just even the lead-ins to scenes. We get shit like that in the show all the time. You could just have a lead-in where it's like, look, that's not a PL issue. That's blah, blah, blah. And, and to most people, it would be, you know, like uh, Shonda Rhimes says about Grey's Anatomy, like medicine, medicine, medicine. But it still would say yes. they are at work. Falling in love. Fall in love, but fall in love in the work, and I, 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 I wouldn't, I didn't really miss it on the for, on the viewing, but as we're talking about it, it could have been better done. Yeah, and this is one of the things I that was mind blowing because you're going to get a lot of people who think this is their favorite episode of, like I, I saw it online, I've seen it I'm talking to people, like this is they're like this episode was an absolute thunderclap it was so good and i and i thought oh my god i i personally really loved it but at this point when i was getting into it i was like god we've got a whole lot of stuff that i'm not interested in and then whenever we get to the football part um i'm i'm wildly interested or or you know certain subplots i'm more interested than others so um well jack says we can't get into trouble because we are two consenting adults which i'm like oh bullshit yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, this could. Fuck you. I was like, yeah, this is not. Yeah, it's not. I, I think it's fine. I think they could do it, and I think certainly by certainly you wouldn't want to make it a secret. That's gonna fuck you up at this point. But yeah, the idea that like this ain't in the gray at all. Like this is this is firmly in the gray. You're the investor. It also felt to me like. That was a very literal sort of, uh, well, the First Amendment says we have freedom of speech. Yeah, sure, absolutely. You're you're not breaking the law legally. That's fine. People are going to have opinions, though. And if Keeley's job is sort of handling and manipulating the public's impression of her clients, she can't herself have a tarnished reputation in this way. It's funny you said, oh, this isn't like keep it quiet. You definitely don't do that. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I think you do. And maybe, listen, my my uh, <laughs> my history of office workplace, uh, you know, the legend of my office workplace, uh, uh, romances aside, um, in that I've had nothing. Makes sense. I will, say, I will say that I'm like, I feel like, okay, this is just me because I'm one of those people pro- probably like, I'm coach, you'll relate to this, I, I know. Um, and, and boss to some extent for sure, where you go, people put a lot on me in my daily life. I get a I, I catch a lot of everybody's stuff because they know I have broad, broad enough shoulders to handle it. And because I'm that guy. Um, so it doesn't matter. I hear from a friend, they tell me what's going on and they'll tell me at a level of depth that they won't, they're not going to typically go to, you know? And so. In, in choosing to keep it quiet, you keep it your business. In making it a public thing, 
I'm like, now nah, you made it my fucking business. I'm out here. I don't even know the name of the you. lady out here. I or I'm like, that. really? Do I need this shit in my day? Like, I'm just trying to get this spreadsheet done. Do I need to hear about, like, your sexual proclivity? Like, I'm like, I don't get your shit out of. I don't want it in my headspace. I didn't ask for it. It feels like an invasion to me. And it feels rude. So I'm like, yes, if you're going to do, like, this is, I think, unethical. And I think it's foolhardy. Um, and I And as a... Like if this was if Keely, you know, if if either of these were my friend or relative, I would say, Jack, that's totally uncool for you to do this. First of all, because you're way, way, uh, you know, the 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 power dynamic dynamic is out of whack. And Keely, I'm like, you're in danger. You are with a wave of her of her wand, you lose your business. Why would you risk? I don't understand. Like if the if the way that you are rated. Uh, okay, you go audition for a hockey team or a soccer team or a baseball team, right? You go off a baseball audition, uh, uh, tryout, right? And they put you, they throw balls to you, you hit them out into the thing. They go, oh, this fucker can hit. Good, nice. Okay, that's how you're rated, right? Now, what if all of a sudden you, you're you sleeping with your coach? Now you're also rated on something. Why would you do that to yourself? Just hit the ball. Don't sleep with your coach. Like, it just makes me crazy. And in addition... I feel good. What is it, Coach? What's the what? I, it's a little around, but I think this. What's the phrase people use Italian origin about uh, workplace romances? Does it ring in a bell for y'all? I'm only thinking, don't shit where yep. you eat. That's, <laughs> That's exactly right. That. That's what I thought. And, That's Italian. And, 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 and this, I don't shit the one you eat. Yeah, no, it comes from an Italian phrase. I forget. Oh. I, used to, I used to hang out with a lot of Italian guys. So, like, I remember one guy saying it in Italian and whatever. Oh. And I was like, oh. Okay. Uh, but, but at any rate, that's a whole other part of my life. But anyway, um, not a lot of Italian guys. This is the thing. So, you're you two Joshua Tree years, I'm guessing. It's so, it's so crazy. Yeah. It, yes. Actually. Who, who are you? It's I keep so, thinking boss so is weird. Cra- it's so crazy. It, but um, the lamb, their entire relationship was born literally cleaning up shit together okay there was shit where they eat and they cleaned it up together and that's when they started this i'm not sure that was done on purpose but it's sitting right there yeah no i mean intentionality is a big thing jason sudeikis talks about so we can't discount it but um yeah, I don't buy her. She says, we can't get in trouble because we're two consenting adults. Yet one of us can get in trouble. And then she also says, and I'm get away with murder rich. So that's the and, real, yeah. that's the real lesson here. Listen, I is drink. Is Keely get away with murder rich? I'm no. just kidding. Is, is that Keely, like a, they both are this thing or no? No, right? Keely got in big old trouble for taking that shit in somebody's locker. She wasn't fucking swigging vodka at, two, at 10 a.m. So yeah, y'all y'all ain't the same, right? Y'all ain't the same. Yeah. So Keely says, "Really?" Jack says, "Yeah." And Keely says, "Like who else? Name names." And what does Jack say to this boss? Everyone connected to Epstein. I'm like, what in the fuck? Like, are people watching the show? Anyone who's like into this, into the Jack and Keely relationship? I'm like, remember when Rupert was like, "Oh, I was off. I'm visiting my dear friends, the Sacklers." Yes. Yep. 
he he didn't say everyone. Oh, you know, everyone that's that support. You know, everyone at the state dinners for Obama. That's not what Jack said. She said everyone connected Epstein, Epstein, casually. Yeah, eh, you know, as one does reference, maybe the biggest pedophile ever. We'll see. Wait, what? what? I'm is like, happening? oh my god, we're just dropping names of monsters. Okay, like, Keely, I don't care if people in the office know we're dating. Do you? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. This is where you say yes, actually. I, but the way <laughs> so, it's framed, so, I don't care. Do you care? Like, so, so, we're totally equal here. We're sending adults. I don't care. Do you care? Yes or no? What if Keely says no? I mean, what, I'm sorry. What if Keely says yes? Yeah, I right. do care. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know where that I don't know where that moment goes. Then I I I, I guess I want to toss in there what I think you're on you're, you're 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 dead on about that. But I think beyond that, when I said earlier about you don't want it to be a secret, there's something between or there are a lot of things between a secret and this like. What do they call it? The grand gesture? Yeah, like, then this grand gesture announcement, right? I guess what I'm thinking about is closer to, um, I guess, you know, good old Babs, since I assume she's in charge of HR, them going in and sitting down and saying, hey, look, you know, in your position, you need to know this. It would be inappropriate for us not to disclose this. And yeah, there are five people in the office so or six, right? So if three of the six know, it might feel like, all right, well, this is just fucking weird. Let's just acknowledge it and move on. But yeah, I think Jack, I think you're on target to be like, what, what, what is this, Jack? Like, what is this performance? What's happening? Hear ye, hear ye. We're fucking like, what's going on? Yeah, I think that there's a very big difference between we are going to slink around and make sure that nobody sees us in public. We are only going to meet at whatever the British equivalent of Motel 6 is so that this is purely an affair and nobody knows about it and making the grand gesture like they could have just not made out at work. That part. Uh, You know, Coach, how you talk about you have uh, Dennis Rodman and you send him to the bench and you tell him to come out when you need him. I don't. I don't have that. Any, I don't have anything nearly that fun. Um, but I always think like, <laughs> if I'm in a, whenever I'm in a um, conversation or I have ha- have a really hard conversation, you know that you know the thing where it says don't talk about somebody. You know, talk about them as if they're in the room. If you're talking about a third yes, person, yes, talk about. And yes. that's always actually been very very helpful for me. That's great. And advice. so I say okay, but in certain situations, I also like to think, who would the worst person to hear me talk about this B and I put them in the room and I do that to keep myself in check, like to be really careful to say, okay, this is going to be, this is how I establish my guardrails because as we know with my ADHD, there are no guardrails. So <laughs> if, if let's say anybody that really cared about Roy, Rebecca, uh, I said, sorry, I said Roy, but it, cause he's on my mind. Anybody that actually cares about Keely, Roy, Rebecca, Coach Lasso, right? Any of the people that really, Jamie, anybody that really, really is on Keeley's side in life, were here to hear this conversation. They would notice very clearly that everything is about Jack. Okay. So Jack says, I don't care. We can't get in trouble because we're two consenting adults and I'm get away with murder rich. That, okay. Well, right away, that's about Jack. The next line, um, 
Everyone connect up. So, Keely, I don't care if people in the office know we're dating. Do you? Okay, my, we're going to put mine front and center and then have you be secondary. She says, no. Keely says, no, of course not. I just don't know how serious you were about this. Why does that matter? What? It, it, because why doesn't it matter what how serious Keely is about this? Who cares about what – you know what I mean? Why is it just one per- – a relationship is not made of what one person wants. So, Jack, in, in response to that, she says, come with me. Keely says, okay. She doesn't say what I, what she's about to do. Jack walks out, says, hey, everyone, quick announcement. Keely and I are dating. Now, Keely, they do a good job of blocking this because if you remember, Keely's in the background. Jack is up front, front and center. She makes the announcement. She doesn't consult with Keely about it. She just says, okay, here's what, here's what we're going to do. Again, any of the people in the room that would be on Keely's side would be like, do you, do you see what's happening here? You are being sidelined. You know what I mean? You are a secondary issue for this person. Keely and I are dating, and it's brand new, but I'm serious about it. Not we. Think about taking a, a, a me and turning it into we, right, Coach? Um, but I'm yeah. serious about it. Yeah, seriously. Right? Wow. And, and so both of us just wanted to let you – both of us just wanted to let you all know that uh, – so there are no secrets. Oh, we bo- oh we both we both did based on the no conversation whatsoever about this. Um because it's all good. Um, it's all good. It's all good. I'm not crazy. She's not crazy, which is exactly what a crazy person would say. Uh, you're not crazy, right? She says to Keely. And Keely just, you know, smiles. Yeah, neither of us are crazy. But if you have any issues, now uh, Barbara gets up out of her chair and she locks her door. If you have any, If any of you have any issues or concerns about this at all, Please do not hesitate to come and speak to me or Keely or Barbara. Or Barbara, she adds. Cool. And everybody smiles. Okay. Sorry. I wanted to get through that. I yeah. thought it was okay. a bit of or Barbara, by the way, that I didn't love there. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to state this in a way I just think Coach will enjoy. So I'm just going to do it this way. I'll tell you what. That Jack's got more red flags than an Alabama pep rally. <laughs> She's I mean, it's all telling you, right? Like every I'm single like, word this she is, says. This is not great. The little the thing at Babs is a little like, what the fuck you gonna do about it? Like it's a little like I don't know. I don't know why I got that energy off of it. But you have not discussed this with Babs. You've not prepared her to deal with whatever the fucking fallout is or how people will be uncomfortable or whatever. Like, what do you mean talk to Babs? Don't come fucking talk to me. I ain't telling the two of them to get started up with their stupidness. Exactly. Like, why are you talking to me? I thought it was a weird... I thought that was really weird. She's she's totally... uh, It's funny. Because I was going to use the term manhandled. Um, but she's like totally woman handled Keely. Like she's, she's pushed her into a corner and then, and then she goes out and says, okay, uh, I've successfully completely, um, pushed the CEO of this firm into a box. Any of you peons want to, want to have a problem with it? Like anybody not like their job? I'm like, what, what are we doing here? This is terrible. Well, well, you know, (laughs) Look, you know, the, the, there's the old one around. If you know, if you want to send a message, use Western Union or whatever that old thing. But so, but actually, KJPR is where male stereotypes, toxic masculine traits go to be trans. 
Um, basically, right? I mean, we had Shandy and her, you know, big swinging dick behavior of like, hey, yeah, babe, you know, I called our big client at 4 a.m. in the morning and I've got it all figured out and I am looking for investors, right? So she gets herself run out of there. And then we basically have Rebecca at dinner jumping up and down going, hey, girl, you got a like super pixie cut cute uh, version of Rupert. That's what the fuck you got. So I just think it's interesting that we're watching and it's deplorable. Like, like I'm really not liking watching it. And I feel like at least half the shit they're do either of those women have done in that space. I would brush past if it had been a dude. The fact that it's a woman doing it, I think is making me go, what the fuck? You know, it's like in a way, I just think I would brush past a guy acting that way. Yeah, I think one of the things that I have discussed on the show before is when, especially I'm generalizing here, but men inadvertently, unconsciously gaslight women. It's not the we are trying to trick you into this. It is a thing I most often register when men are doing to women where it says, I hear your feelings and I'm not disagreeing with those. What I'm saying is you should not be feeling that way. It's not an attempt to address what they're presenting as their problem. So Keely's problem is, I don't want to get into trouble. I am still figuring out this relationship. Jack doesn't listen to that. What she says is, oh, you shouldn't be worried about that. So I'm going to take away the worry by announcing our relationship to everyone and putting it onto other people. So she is telling Keely, oh, you shouldn't be worried about that. Don't don't worry. Instead yeah. of addressing her worry. And those are two very different things. So... I've been on this thing and I know I beat my, I have my, I have my favorite drums and uh, this thing with Nate and, and, and Keely. And obviously there was the kiss and all that, but I, I think there've been other ways in which I'm like, they're really playing with these two sort of on these parallel journeys as being, they, 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 they are the true uh, Drake. They started from the bottom. Now they hear uh, characters of this show. And I think it's fascinating to watch Keely get um, disappeared in a relationship in a way that is, all, I think, is also very much true in the Nate relationship. Other than the fact that this this young lady is is pretty and distant and has a nice smile. I still don't 100% know. I mean, I know who she was who nice ta- to Who are you talking about, Coach? I'm talking about our, our hostess. Jade? Friend, about Jade. Jade, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I just think, like, what else do, like, wh- what is it he loves about her again? What is it he loves about her? Like, just tell me. Like, I, it's fine. Like, just tell me. What is it that he lo- I think he loves about her at this point that she used to hate me and now I think she might like me. Oh, but well, when he first went in there, he went in there for a table. He wasn't trying to date Jade. Like, she's a thing. Yeah. No, she's very there. It right? It's basically what we can tell from her so far. She is in his proximity. So. Right. Yes. yes. She, exactly that. She's very there. She is extremely um, present. Yep. In several t- places that he also is. Physically yeah. very present. We don't know yeah. about mentally right. where she's Even at, at, physically yeah. very present. All right. So uh, Jack announces this. Everybody smiles and Jack says, cool. Um, and then 
uh, coach, you're going to be Dan, and boss, you're going to be uh, Barbara, which is appropriate. And what happens here? Dan stands up, and what does he say, coach? And congratulations, Jack and Keeley. Love is love. No, that's I... enough, Dan. Thank you. Right. <laughs> which is... I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, that was great. It's a great little button. Um, it's, it's yeah, they're so good at this. And then we cut. That's it. That's your little cut. Um, so Rox is playing by Primal Scream. We're out on the pitch, we're catching the players after all the running. They're puking their guts out. Jamie is way out in front. Um, no sign of fatigue whatsoever. Jan Moss pukes. Colin pukes. Isaac pukes. A lot of retching, grunting, panting. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy and Paul say what, boss and coach? This is some of the best puking I've ever seen. Yeah, me too. And we spend most of our lives at the pub. So just go ahead, <laughs> just go ahead and press the button, producer. Yeah, that's I it. I love Paul. Paul. I love Paul. Um, so yeah, Jamie did not look strained in the least. Ted says, "All right, nice job, gentlemen. Okay, that's it for today. Now we scrimmage." And they all fall. Every player falls down. London Bridge. They all fall down. Um, what? So there's so much about this that is like in the opposite direction of the complaint of some of the complaints of season two when I was just in here, just bare, bare knuckles, just doing what I could to keep old Ted Lasso alive. No, but this is right. <laughs> Like, if you're going to play this style, and this is part of what Coach, why Coach wants me to do this episode so that he can have me, he can just play this for a psychiatrist and have me committed. Because I'm watching this episode, and I'm watching them puke, and I am getting fired up. Right? This is when you start to learn, like, oh, he's really not like other people. This is when Orlando is built different. I'm watching them puke, and I'm like, yes! 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 That's where we start. I have a whole tirade. It's like a, it's like a, uh, most people, but maybe not the Gen Xers, are going to be too young to remember an officer and a gentleman. And what you learn in this movie, amongst a hundred other things, Louis Gossett is this drill sergeant, and he has a speech. And he just does his speech. And he kind of mad libs, you know, oh, the person is from this state now or whatever. But he mad, that's his speech. He does his speech. And I have a speech that I do when I, for the first time I decide, all right, today I'm going to start running them. And I do a whole thing about, they might be bigger than us. Go. And I'll run their asses down and back. And they come back down. I'm like, let me tell you something else. They might be faster than us. Go. And I'll run them down. And they come back. They might be, right? They might be more skilled than us. Go! Right? They come back. I say, they might be a lot of things. But one thing they ain't going to be is tougher than us. When they get tired, we get tougher. That is my speech. That is a speech. If you are out there, you will hear me do that speech to almost every team at some point. When they get tired, we get tougher. And I can see the kids who start to light up, I'm like, those are my kids. I got them. I got to get them to infect the others now. If they get that, they got it. We're going we gonna to do some things this season. 
And I, to me, they were puking, and I was like, oh, yes. I could just hear Lombardi going. Where is it? Uh, uh, exhaustion makes cowards of us all. You just, yes. the first thing you got to do is build that foundation. We supposed to play 90 minutes? Be ready to play 180. Another great sports doc, the LMU one, about uh, when when they were running with uh, Hank Gathers. Oh, whoo. See, y'all get me fired up, man. Uh, this is ridiculous. I, this is so, so great. God damn. <laughs> even, even, even Boss has a huge smile on her face. Just, yeah. It's true. Um, yeah, no, no. That's what I thought you were going to say. I, you kind of stole it because you – because I was I was going to be you and say like for the puking part of the scene I, I was going to say you know I know I know what coach is thinking here like yeah you think you puking and you think that's the, the end of your physical training but that is the beginning of your <laughs> excellence <laughs> that's right that's right that's right um, oh yeah look at all that greatness out on his feet <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, everybody should be coached by you, coach. So when they all fall down, uh, I, I triple check. Jamie is not in frame. He's just. Not oh, yeah. No, he's great. He's fine. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. the Energizer Bunny now. He's good. Uh, now we cut to Rebecca and Keely out to lunch at a restaurant. Um, there is. Uh, there are. I say there is and there are. There is a sunflower up and behind her we'll remember that the um the state flower of kansas is the wild sunflower and um people the restaurant is full of sunflowers huge sunflowers all over the place and between this and the farm girl dress that rebecca had on with matteo van der Glien, every this is where the ted becca truthers go look at ted is here in the restaurant with her like she can't get away from him. And even when she's with another man, she's got a Kansas style dress on. She's going to end up back in Kansas with Ted. Um, I'm like, God, can you imagine Rebecca ending up back in Texas? I, I know, like, I don't mean to, again, this is not to, to say we know. We don't, we actually don't know. I do not know. Um, but I don't, I don't wish that on her. <laughs> I don't, I want, I, I think she's a city girl and, I, I, that might feel like, uh, although she did find the gazellic dude things, you know, his houseboat cozy. I'm like, hmm. see, though, houseboat cozy, and we make branding jokes that require a weight. That's a that's, there's a lot a of room. There's there's a lot of room between those two things. I mean, this guy is wealthy enough that he hurls an iPhone into the canal. To make a point, like it's not like he fell and had the wherewithal to say it's just a it's just a phone. Ultimately, like just to like underscore some shit he was saying, he threw a fucking cell phone into the water. So you know he got somebody. So there's a level of like comfort, even though he's on that boat. You know he, he he's not on a life raft, but yeah. Anyway, but outside of the comfort and what she would be good with and what she wouldn't be good with. We just saw the writers be able to show us Rebecca interested in fucking somebody. Everybody knew that there was chemistry between her and the Dutch man. I don't understand why the writer... 
picking up on these things is very cool. Again, why would the writers design an entire plot involving Rebecca and Ted ending up together and never once show us them having a moment where it seems like they might fuck? I'm with you. And I think it, it, although, you know, will they, won't they has, you know, seen its day and blah, 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 blah. You should once have asked it. Like this, you you are a hundred percent accurate. Like as as much as I have combed through this series, I cannot produce a single moment that even suggests that if the two of them were blind on all the bottles of bourbon and champagne on earth, that this is going to happen. I just don't see it. It's the and 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 it's just recently, like the last couple episodes, and I'm like. I think we've gone too far to make that move now. You know what I mean? Like, I get falling well, if, for if, someone, but... If for no other reason than the not. weirdness between Sam and Ted, that would be... It would be a lot of I had that too. thought, too. That's super yes. weird. Sam and Ted and That's Sassy and Rebecca. And it's, 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 it's super awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And the one time Rebecca talked about Ted in bed, she was... Like ew. she spit she like, food hey. out of her mouth. I mean, yeah, not, yeah. let's be clear. Not just food. She spit out the biscuits that Ted brought to her because she didn't Ooh. want any of part of Ted inside her when Ooh. she was talking about that. You are so right. See, now here I am guarding against the left. Bam! <laughs> it's the punches you don't see, Coach. Those are the ones that put you away. I'll, I want uh, the listening audience to know that when uh, Boss said inside her, she had a huge beaming smile on her face. <laughs> She's a dirty, dirty bird. Um, so um, uh, Rebecca says, honestly, my jacket's still a bit canally. This is a this is a get, catching up thing. And when you there's a, another rule of screenwriting for those of you who didn't go to U, USC film school with with coach. Um uh, that you don't talk about things if the audience is ahead of you. The audience has seen the scene, so it is incredibly boring for you to now talk about the scene, right? You just don't do it. It's a no-no. The reason they do a little bit of it here is to tell you exactly what's happening, but also to answer some of the questions that were lingering in case um, there were still lingering questions about them. So, for example, when... Matteo van der Glien says, oh, did we? Oh, yes, we did. Uh, so, some of, of the um, the folks in the listening uh, audio, the viewing audience, were like, oh, he, he has done something untoward. And this is to, to explain to those folks, no, that's not what happened. So he never got his name, Keeley says. You never told him yours. Yeah, see, that part's not that weird to me. If he really didn't have sex with the guy, now that's fucking bonkers. I, I also thought that the 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 coming out of this part of the conversation gave us a chance to sort of like reset. It's a little bit like the handshake with uh with Beard and, and Ted. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, there they go. There they go. Yeah. All right, that's my right. And and I thought it was cool to use something the audience had seen. In this case, in this shortened way, and you're right, this is totally, if you got to do it, you got to figure out a way to do it like this. But by using this, it also underscores, y'all ain't been hanging out like that. I mean, 
We've literally seen your relationship at the point where you could have said, hey, Rebecca, I'll meet you upstairs in the suite. You chose to let her know you had to go apply some lip liner. Right? Like, that's the level of close y'all was doing. So the fact that I know a story about Rebecca that Keely don't know after all this time, that's notable. And I thought it was a good way of putting some... um some new information or some some not new information but some 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 weight some some something to this exposition coach you better pick up biggie smalls and put him on your lap yeah he is not <laughs> Hold on. all right so um this is interesting i love what you said coach and that we know something that keely and rebecca we know several things that either each of them don't know about each other Rebecca says, look what we shared. It just, it transcended sex. It was, Keely says, magic. And Rebecca says, what, boss? Gazelic. Which is not a word I like to keep hearing uh, this often. Um, I don't like it enough. But, uh, I mean, that's just me. And then what does Rebecca say right after that? But, yeah, I would have liked to have seen his penis. I, I think it's important because I hear what you're saying about Gazelle. It's not, you know, there are words you hear from other languages and you sort of just think like, oh, I'm going to repeat that just pretty re- pretty darn regularly for a while. It's not that. I do think it's important, though, especially when the word pilgrimage was used in the last episode, that we are really seeing how people were changed by this sojourn. Some needed to go on pilgrimages. Some needed... Ted could not have had his barbecue sauce total football moment with Beard. Like, some journeys we have to take alone. That inmost cave stuff and whatever. Like, if, you know, you can't have Luke and then he looks over and there's Obi-Wan, you know, helping him with the controls. It's like, nah, we're going to have to kill Obi-Wan's ass off before that. Because... When he goes in there, he got to be alone. And so I think I think it's it's really just really fascinating to see these little things they've each brought back. Um, you know, we we actually have Roy. Like they say, when you experience a trauma, you're that age until you recover. Like we watch Roy learn how to ride a bike. Like we we watch Roy go back to ten years old. And now rejoin the party, man. Like that's what that's like there there was a lot that happened on this trip and that they brought back with them. And I think that's also part of the lasso way. Ted Lasso, he ate tea, but he tasted that fucking tea. He didn't say, <laughs> Don't bring that shit over here. Right? I mean, like, even when he, he said say, normally he say, oh, I would take him back on, to man. that's right. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Well, yeah, we did have the, you know, that's like, uh, what do you say? Like putting poop like in a... putting a, a poop in a dookie smoothie or something. Or whatever, <laughs> or whatever. A bar smoothie full of barf or something. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think, you know, being open to going somewhere and experiencing that. And, you know, sometimes it's that you figure out your sport at your coaching and life philosophy. And sometimes it's that you find out that you don't ever order Indian food. Like it's for a member of the family. You ain't a member of the family. It's a terrible idea. So, but (laughs) it goes how it goes. Just like surprise me goes how it goes. Sometimes surprise me is 
oh yeah, we showed the whole team the fucking um, surveillance tape with no no real plan of how we were going to process that and just unleash them angry as fuck back onto the world. Also surprised me could be me being all these miles from home and somebody bringing me the one fucking barbecue sauce I need on the tip of my tongue right this goddamn moment. Yep. That's how it goes. What was the um I remember we made a uh connection um when Nate was going to talk to Roy and they're like, "Oh, oh, you're serious." Like the Ted the Ted thing. You remember that? Yes, and then there was one yes, other one. Yes. What was the one the that we compared dog, that yeah. to? What was the one in this episode or the last episode where somebody said something and we said, oh, you're serious? I forget what the other one is, but when uh, Rebecca says, remember Coach had an episode, I think it was a couple episodes ago, and he said, you know, I considered, you know, I was in college, like, do I want to kiss a guy? And I'm like, no, I actually I don't want whatever. I want to do that. Um, this is this is like, you know, you're heterosexual. <laughs> when Rebecca's like, she's like, but yeah, I would have really liked to see his penis. And I'm like, ha! <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, oh, you're oh, you're serious. Like, you're, like, oh, there are people who who like the sight of a penis. Like, I, listen, I'm that way about feet too. So it's like just a weird thing. I'm like, oh, oh, really? Like you? Huh? What? Okay. That's Takes really all kinds, funny. I guess. That is really funny. Anyway, Keely laughs. She said, "Boss is smiling. Boss, you want to give us some insight into looking nope. at penises? Because I got nothing. Oh no, nope." No man. No. I'm willing to make a lot of jokes, but mm, I know people who listen to this now. Nope. Yeah, right. Okay, good. So boss loves looking at penises. So and, uh, uh, check that out fair. on uh, it's totally fair. the Ted Cast After Hours for you Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah, no, that I can do. I'll just tell her to avoid that one altogether, and then we can post <laughs> diagrams and shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah well, you know it's really hard to monetize a podcast folks so we've launched the tedcast only fans site uh, <laughs> yep <laughs> just, just pictures of penises that's all it is um so keely says okay uh she says oh it's so good to see you she hugs rebecca and it's funny keely again hugs rebecca rebecca just kind of sits there eating bread doesn't hug her back and I'm like, okay, it's no big deal. It's it's not a thing. It's just, but I'm like, sometimes Rebecca can be a little whatever. Um, and she says, oh, you too. Keely says, it's been way too long. Rebecca says, hmm, because I've lost you to another woman. So now we've heard Rebecca's side. Like, here's what I was doing while, while you were at recess. Here's what I did with my time. And now Keely's going to fill her in. I know, I'm sorry. Oh, I am joking. So come on, how's it going? It's great. But I mean, wait, before we go all the way down this road, I do have a yes. question for Boss. I, I I feel like, girl, you disappeared, having found a new man, is a is a potentially fraught conversation between heterosexual women around like, oh, you got a guy now, and now you forgot about your friends. So I guess one, I'm asking, how much is that really a thing? How much is that me being, uh, you know, nose picking dude, not really getting what's going on? <laughs> and then how would that translate to the other entity, the other being in the in the equation, not being that man, but another woman? Because it's a joke, yeah. and I believe it's a joke. 
but like all jokes. So I was just curious if you had any take on it. Um, so I think that this is a thing that is both true and untrue at the same time. Like, I don't think that it's as much of a big deal as a lot of people consider it. Like, there is, in fact, the honeymoon period when you first meet somebody that you're interested in, where you want to spend all of your time with them. Um, I know that I did it myself. Like, I had friends that I saw literally every single weekend because we would hang out and we'd had whatever they were doing, I was doing. And then they met a guy and then I met a guy. And now we're still friends. Like it's not uh, irrevocable. It's not that it's going to break up your friendship, but sometimes you have to be like, Hey, listen, you've seen your boyfriend every weekend for a month straight. We are going to go get drinks and hang out. So it's not as much like this isn't a, I am mad at you because you did this. This is a, we need to maintain the relationship throughout this. Um, in terms of it being another woman, I don't know if that would be that big of a deal. Um, there is sort of a less of a threat when it is somebody that they are romantically interested in. This isn't like you're meeting a new friend. You met somebody and I cannot replace them in that way. So it's fine if you found somebody else. If that other person is a woman, you being interested in another woman isn't impacting a relationship because you're not interested in me. It's so, like, again, it is a thing, but it isn't a thing. Just, you know, you could ask me too. Right? <laughs> I was like, where is he going with this? Um, he no, was no, just but, bragging. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've heard. Seriously. Fuck you, Mike Pence. Um, yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always, man. There's uh, another one. You can, you can, you can clip that one and put it right next to Paul on the uh, old switchboard. There, uh, <laughs> mythological producer. Um, l- listen, there's also h- how about just plain? Huh? Didn't vanish like this when you were dating Roy. And that was a little bit different, though, because they were working at the same place. Also, she didn't disappear because she literally was in the building. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, good good point. But don't you think there's like it's always like a it's like, oh, in this relationship you could remain you. And this other relationship you have to change. And that's yes. that what, is different. Uh, yes. That yeah. is a different thing. And 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 and, and it's is is it, it includes some of what I was trying to point to earlier about like Keely seems to be disappearing into her relationship. Um and Nate seems to be like consuming his relationship. But neither of them seem to me to be in a relationship that feels like two two figures that kind of match up in a in a way that makes sense. Like, you know what? Here's how I would put it: I don't see no luggage matching up here. Now there are relationships here where luggage don't in the world where luggage don't match up, but I don't see any matching luggage whatsoever in this whole crew. I didn't get that. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Um, was that your Apple Watch talking to us there, Coach? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I just, you know, I'm not going to say anything about my Apple Watch. Maybe some of this gets back to Sudeikis. But I just find that sometimes truly out of nowhere, for reasons I don't know I'll ever be able to, un- to understand, that my Apple Watch decides, I think you're talking to me. <laughs> it's got, a lot of, got a real De Niro vibe. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you talking to me? I don't see nobody else here. Um. Uh. So, 
Yeah, I mean, and also, okay, just one more point before we move on here. I'm going to blast through this scene and then we'll talk about it. But in general, um, I feel like a criticism I would have, this is Rebecca and Keeley, so I'm always fine with that. But because we know the end is coming, I've started to see online people saying, I can't believe the show, like people are getting ready, like, oh, this show's going to end. Like they're starting to, to prepare. Um and and I feel the ticking clock as well. And I'm like, why are we wasting time with Jack? Like, I just don't give a shit. I know it's going to be bad. I just don't. It's just whatever. So anyway, it's one of those things where I look back and I'm like, oh, we have a limited amount of time. I remember having this feeling at the end of Game of Thrones where we were like, they can't. They can't put all these things. There's too much. They, they can't wrap it all up. It's important. And then we would try to imagine between, you know, in the week you get an episode drop and then for that whole week, all anyone could talk about is like, okay, how could they tie this up? Now, I don't think this show is there. I think they can tie it up and I think they will. It's just that I wish we didn't have to waste time with Jack. But having said that, uh, Keely says uh, she's so cool. She's smart, super foxy. She's an amazing gift giver. Oh, my God. The way she proclaimed our relationship to the entire office, it was so fucking hot. Whereas if you look back at that scene, it looks to me like Keely is a hostage. Her facial expressions do not look like this is so hot to me. Uh, Rebecca says, what, boss? I think she might be love-bombing you. She's love-whatting me? Love-bomb. That's when you're bombed with expensive gifts and trips and grand gestures of love. They call it a love-bomb. Who does? I don't know. They do. Those they out there that name stuff. But what I do know is that on my second date with Rupert, he took me to a car showroom and said, which one do you want? Oh, I would fucking love that. Oh. Uh, What did you do? Well, I asked him if he was referring to the cars of the beautiful saleswomen suddenly tripping over themselves to help us. And? I drove home in a bloody, lovely Jaguar, of course. It just felt nice to be taken care of for once. Hmm. Okay, let's finish this because we got to talk about that. But um, go ahead. Keep going with Rebecca. Look, I'm not saying that Jack is like Rupert, but if something shiny. Sorry, look, I'm not saying that Jack is like Rupert, but sometimes shiny things can tarnish. I think it's fine. Okay, okay, good. Just trust yourself. I ignored so many red flags in my past. Yeah, well, maybe we're love blind. Ooh, love blind. What's that? It's an emotional version of color blindness where a person interprets red flags as green, giant green, just fucking go for it flags. Did you come up with that? Yeah, I did. Oh, my God. You're one of those that they that name stuff. Shit, I think I might be. I think you might be. Uh, Sorry, excuse me. Could we get the bill, please? Thank you. Coach, why don't you be the uh, waiter here? Actually, the bill was already taken care of by Jack. She says she hopes you both enjoyed your meal. What a massive surprise. Wow, yeah. Well, I think we have to have some tiramisu, don't you? Uh, Definitely. Oh, and um, two bottles of the fancy wine that Emily cannot pronounce. Grand crew to go. One for yourself, hmm? I I enjoyed this. But I'm gonna I'm gonna allow the real serious business to be attended to first. Or I shouldn't even say that because I think there's some cool stuff happening here, Rebecca. But 
ordering those three bottles of any shit you can't pronounce, I was like, <laughs> God damn. She was like, oh, word. That's how you feel? That's how you feel, Jack? You're going to come over here? It felt like uh, like uh, an, an unwitting uh, continuation of that's what I get for try- for taking a tinkle next to John Holmes. You know what I mean? Like It was just like, oh, really? Yeah. You're going to come in here swinging your big dick? Okay, that's cool. Swinging at, swinging at these three motherfucking bottles that cost, I'm sure, as much as the car I was just talking about. It was like two two grand a bottle. It had to be, right? I mean, yeah. the way she's for Rebecca to say it like that, I was like, that is some expensive motherfucking alcohol, man. I don't know shit about it, but I can tell you it costs a lot. And I like that she returns to her bartender roots and gives one to the server. Like, yeah. Like, yes. Great call. I thought that was, that was yes. cool. Yes. Very cool. Uh, I just want to talk about, I mean, I don't, this is very... There's not. A, this is not deep. This is a warning from a friend, one friend to another. Um, it takes a little while to get there. The love bombing is, you know, they're introducing that concept. But really, the thing I want to talk about is Re- Rebecca saying it just felt so good to be taken care of. Um, yeah, uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that it just felt it felt nice to be taken care of for once. And I thought, oh, that's when you have some dad issues, right? Yeah. Um, I know. Uh, um, my daughter is always. Uh, uh, um, she, she's uh, her her mom and I are divorced, and so I sometimes uh, have to take wear a couple of different hats. Um, but I know that we have such a great relationship. That it ends up being like, you know, on the weekends we find her friends over here who don't have great dad relationship kind of looking to me for, you know, like, hey, you know, what do you think about that? And, and, and your heart bleeds because you're like, it's just so basic. Um, it's so basic and it's so easy. If you have it, it's effortless. But if you don't have it, that hole is huge. And so... Um, you know, you wonder about that with Rebecca and the dynamic with her mom and her dad and how what makes me crazy is that Rupert took advantage of it, which is what they do. If you're sinister, you can identify those things and then you can use that to your advantage. I, I, I like that you, you said that about the sinister piece. I, I will quickly say this toward the uh, end of college when I decided, you know... I've made a lot of girls cry. That's probably not something I should keep doing. It's uh, <laughs> not good. Um, and so, no, really, I remember literally having that thought. I am sick of making girls cry. That's just not cool. And so I'm on this trip and I've got, a, you know, a girlfriend, girl by the name of Daphne, I was kind of into at the time. So I'm, you know, I'm behaving myself. But the this woman who worked with this youth group also, who we were working for, brought a friend of hers to help chaperone this trip. So we're talking on the bus. We're kicking, you know, just, you know, fun, whatever. And I pulled my friend aside later and I said, listen, listen, I'm not living like that no more. So I'm just letting you know. Your friend, <laughs> I said, your friend is a victim. And if it was the old ways, I'd be in our room tonight. I'm just letting you know that's your friend. And she was like, she just kind of stared at me because we went way back. And she was like, all right. 
And I was like, I'm just telling you, like, look out for your girl. And I'm not sure what that's about, but I'm telling you, she a victim. And she just was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm just telling you. And it was, it was like kind of dark because I was like, the part of me that could identify that existed before I decided that wasn't cool. And I just wasn't admitting what the fuck I was doing. And that's how the people were wow. crying. And you just I, at some point gotta be like, I'm just not gonna be the kind of motherfucker who just be making people cry all the time. Like you guys gotta. Well, I love that, Coach. I mean, yeah, I think that's yeah. well, no, no, it's terrifying because it's like predatory and troubling, and and um, you know that that these people can be taken advantage of like that. But what yeah, I want to I want to highlight is that you really didn't. It really was just going from making lots of people cry to making one person cry. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I, I'm like, going deep yeah, over I wide. Like- <laughs> I tell I tell Daphne all the time. I'm like, you are humanitarian. I need you to like rethink how you look at this marriage. You are humanitarian. <laughs> yeah. you, you did you suffer? Yes, you suffered. But how many haven't had to suffer? That, that's the way to look at this. <laughs> I mean, so number one, I love that amount of insight. Um, number two, one of the things that my therapist said one time, because I, I reference I was a mess when I was 19 till whenever. Like I was getting my shit together. But yeah, probably when Castleton and I met, I had like settled a lot of shit. So it, there's a big part of me that's like, I was a mess at 19. But also I'm very forgiving of 19 year old Emily because everybody's a fucking mess at 19. If you're not a mess at 19, I don't know what the fuck you were doing with your life or where you're at now. Um, So, yes, I think outside of the fact that Rupert took advantage of that, to tie it back into the fact that Rebecca's parents weren't taking care of her before Rupert showed up. Because the way that they took care of each other was the mom would threaten to leave or leave and the dad would buy her something big. And so then Rebecca went on a date with a man who, before leaving her, bought her something big. Yes. And so she read that yes. as, he is taking care of me. This is something right. he is doing. I, di- I didn't even need to threaten him first. He's just doing this for me. Compared to the gazelle man taking her into his home and washing her clothes and making her a, a modest but good dinner and giving her hopefully uh, some decent drinks and talking to her and giving her the intimacy of his home instead of a big ticket item. By the way, oh God, I love that. By the, <laughs> Jesus, that is so fucking good. By the way, he doesn't even offer, like, does this dude have a car? He's like, right. I'll put your wet shit in a fucking hefty bag and you can just fucking bounce. Like, he's like, yeah. I'm not doing that. Like, whatever right. that shit is, no, that's not what we're doing. If you want to, you know, have a nice gazelle time with me, then great. Yes. And I, I think that is a, a really interesting, um, yeah, it's a really interesting insight. Co- that that Coach, I didn't... specific is what got her. I, yeah, no, no, that's great. Boss is fantastic. I did not read the Gazelle guy had a ton of money, and so I thought that's why the move to toss his phone was even more bold. Um, oh, interesting. I was like, I was like, oh, that's just a guts. He's just like, let me explain. You are alive. Why are we talking about phones? Who cares about that in the face of life? And and so yeah, he seemed mo- like a modest. Um, I don't know what it costs to run a, a boat, live, live in that boat life. Uh, oh yeah, I don't. I don't I think don't he's like you know like. 
oh, you mean Rupert, Rupert? Like, I don't think he's like that, but I just meant like, <laughs> but I don't think he, you know, like to me, a character, a person making that move says like, you got it good enough that tomorrow when you got to pull out your credit card and pay for a new fucking phone, you're not going to like want to jump off a building. Or you're apprised a, a enough of your replacement plan that you know That's really, it's covered. Really funny. Which is he, what he I was have... thinking. I was like, I could have done that because I know I got the, like the top at, for any reason when, you know, that's you know whatever. Funny. Yeah. Then okay. it can afford okay. you the bold move. But whatever, it's fine. Um I uh yeah, I don't uh the tone first of all, I I realized also I don't I'm not uh close with people who don't name stuff. The not naming people are not my people. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, I know it. Yeah, yeah, normies. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I know. What you're yeah, like, normies. like whatever. I'm like, okay, so like, I, I tend to like the creative people who, you know, are coming up with thoughts and ideas and things around that. And then I thought this was weirdly, I, I like didn't buy this scene very much. I thought it was very distant somehow between the two of them. It was like a lot. It was really heavy on Rebecca giving Keely advice. Uh, whereas, you know, her last advice she gave her was hire your best friend. We know, we know how that, well, that went very um, well. And then like, <laughs> Oh, I think I, Oh my God, you're one of those. They that name stuff. Shit. I think I might be, I think you might be. <laughs> I'm like, well, did you just meet? I don't, that's not like, that's not, huh. I, I just didn't, I, I, I get what I get what you're saying. I wouldn't argue against it. It wasn't my experience in real time. It did feel to me like it was them saying like, Oh, I missed you. But I I, I, I I see what you're saying. So I should say, and I think I might have mentioned on here before, um, my best friend from high school, when I visit her on the suburbs, her husband has our favorite drinks and the yearbooks pulled out. Because he knows we are going to eventually be referencing the same shit over and over and over again and want to look up, all right, who's that one guy? And so we'll go to the yearbook and then we'll start scrolling through and being like, look at this. So I think that part of that might have been them catching up. And part of it might have been they are so in their routine that Rebecca gives Keely guidance. Keely reminds Rebecca about shit that Keely did before she was Keely now. Like, Part of that could have been distance. Part of that could have also been, this is what you do when you've known each other long enough that you know what the other one is going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rebecca finishes the little button on the scene is Rebecca imitating a bomb exploding, which I'm sure will be memed from now till the end of time. Um, We are going to finish up there for today. And, um, I want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who's been listening and joining us on this on this journey. It, it has been uh, humbling and overwhelming to see the the numbers. Um, like I said, we we never imagined that we uh, that we would find so many like minded people who who can put up with us for this long. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it is it is stunning to us. Um, we are. Yeah, we've been doing this for, for several years, and now you're going to hear me do the thing that I do worst on the planet, which is um, this show. I'm literally, I'm so 
bad at this. I don't even know how to, I can talk about anything else in the world, as you know, forever. Um, but we are trying to figure out how to continue to, uh, to um, make this podcast go. And we've been doing it for three years now and, you know, all sorts of taking all sorts of time to do it. And we have um, uh, significant others and uh, bills and children in college and, so uh, we've introduced something that uh, is, if you go to the show notes of this episode and, and all the episodes, you will see a link where you can become a supporter of the show. And what that means is you can pick uh, a number where you say, hey, I, I've really gotten something out of the show and I'd like to show that in financial terms. Now, money is allergic to me. So... I have spent my entire life being a struggling artist. Even when things have gone well, um, I always give it away. <laughs> and um, it's something that I'm very, very bad at. But there are practical considerations. We, 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 you know, All right, I'm going to jump in here. Enough, yeah, man. I'm, I'm getting in here. So let, let, me, let, me, let me see if I can help you out, folks. What, what Coach Castleton is not saying despite having just spoken for 38 minutes, is that he has lost his shirt bringing you that which apparently you find to be good and entertaining and where you would like to spend your time. And what I, I don't want you to think about him losing his shirt because I had to watch it and nobody wants to see Coach Castleton's shirt. <laughs> so this is what I'm saying. I need, not for him, not for him and not for me, not for both, for the good of those of us who still have functional retinas. So what I need you to do is I need you to go to those show notes, like Coach said, and, and, and please just do what you can to support, get a shirt back on the man. I, you know, Sugar Ray lost his retina. That was the first I learned that that was a real scary thing. I'm scared. I know Boss has got to be scared. Let's get Coach Castleton a shirt. We can do it, people. I know you got it in you. Get Coach Castleton a shirt. I'm really, really <laughs> glad that I waited until the end of your speech because I knew that there was that moment coming where it was going to, was yes, we are going to get people <laughs> pumped out for this because what I would have done is in the show notes, just put a gif of Mona Lisa Saperstein from Parks and Rec saying, money, please, and nothing else. That would have been my entire pitch. Diversity at work. Uh, there's a th We have this field where we get to see how many supporters we have. And right now it's a zero. So it's a zero supporters for zero dollars. And it would be amazing if we could just get something there. So um, I put that out there to everyone. And uh, in the spirit of if you've gotten anything from this, uh, boy, it'd be really nice to to uh, to, to see that field change. Um, in the meantime, coach, if people are uh, looking for you, where do they find you? Uh, we align is our online community for my coach for my coaching practice. So that's we align dot align P dot com. Find me on uh, Instagram at BK2LA, same in terms of TikTok. And we have uh, TikTok for the business and Instagram at AlignP. So we is out here.
as they say. And uh, if you're coming through on old, because I know it's, it's a Gen Hex heavy, heavy show that, you know, if you're coming through on Facebook, because that's, that's my that's my platform. But then again, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have firsthand memories of when flat tops were first in style. So you got to gauge where I choose to go. But uh, I like to be on Facebook as well. So you can find me there and you can find the company there too, Align Performance. Gross. No, 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 not gross. The company. I really just. I, I never. I never. I don't even have a Facebook account. I had to get, make one one oh. time for a for a, a job. I, they were like, "Yeah, you got to have a Facebook." I'm like, "Why? Why?" Am, anyway, that was weird. And I, every yeah. time I was in there, it felt like being in AOL. I know I'm. I'm definitely the minority in this, but I hated being in there. Um, and I was so happy to to not have to go back. But yes, everyone should 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 uh, ring coach up. Uh, oh no, I I meant I thought it was weird that an employer essentially made having a facebook account part of the hiring well, no no process. there's like municipalities where they're probably oh, no. and i'm like wait why is this you're a public thing why do i have yeah. to have a facebook account to like find out how to pay my water bill i'm like I, it really makes me anyway yeah, it's, it's gone too it's far odd. but yeah yeah um uh boss where do people find you if they want to find you uh still on twitter until somebody sends me one of those uh blue ski links uh at dumbly chambers and then also writing sort of at the antagonist, which is antagonistblog.com. All right, folks, we thank you so much for being with us on this on this trip and uh, for staying curious and not judgmental. We cannot wait to pick up next time, um, which will be OK. By the way, we have a tiny format change in an effort to make sure that we try to stay up to this one. This week was so dense. And it took a little while to get it edited and so um, and recorded and then edited, by the way. And so with the uh, drop of episode eight, we are going to change our format slightly in that we're going to start out with like sort of a quick response episode where it's not going to be the typical deep dive um, um, uh, that we that we've been doing up to this point in the same way. It's just that. When it drops, we tend to have, you know, really fresh ideas or things about it we want to share. So the next episode, instead of being um, what would be part three of episode seven, will be episode eight, part one. And we'll get that to you as quickly after the episode drops as possible. And then we'll continue to pick up and do the deep dives uh, after that. So um, that is it for us today. Um, support your local libraries and your independent uh, blogs. And until we see you next time, we are Richmond Richmond till till we die. die. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Barbecue sauce. (laughs) The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and The Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.